Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
I love that song. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming to uh, Bar. Hello, folks. We almost got that part. Thank you for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. Uh, welcome back tonight, whether you're listening live or listening to the podcast. I certainly appreciate uh, you coming to the show, uh, you know, bringing things uh, back around. We know that the 2020 campaign is moving along. And our topic tonight is going to be how President Trump can win California in 2020. And, of course, we know a Republican has not won uh, the state of California since 1988, and I'm talking about for the presidency. However, as you know, uh, the state was not always a blue state, so can President Trump be the first uh, president since Ronald Reagan to take California? Uh, but if so, how can he do it? And that's how we're going to explore tonight and why the environment uh, – not the environment uh, <laughs> that the Green Party and myself – I want to protect, but also, uh, but you know, what's going to be the environment of what's going on in California? And I've got a couple uh, articles I'll be referring to tonight uh, that I got from the Bard's Logic Political Talk newsroom. And you can find that at going to Bard's Logic uh, com and go to the newsroom page. And so, of course, you know that the Democrats have had a stronghold in California for three decades. Again, presidential. Uh, and, of course, you know, local politics. And so how can Trump win those uh, 55 electoral colleges and possibly even get up to 369 electoral college votes this time around? Um, so this could change, and so that's one of the things we're going to talk about. One of the reasons that I alluded to it is, you know, why would the environment be ripe uh, – ripe, I should say, or rife, <laughs> depending on which way you want to take it? Uh, for uh, Trump to perhaps win California uh, in 2020, believe it or not. Uh, one of that I'm going to glean from this information. It's not polls or anything of that nature, but you'll see uh, where I'm going with this when I, when I go through these articles. And I do see some callers on. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on the number dial, and I'll get you into the show. And the first one is San Francisco homeless stats soar. City blames big business. Residents blame officials. It says, in the summer of 2019, Fox News embarked on an ambitious project to chronicle the toll progressive politics have had on the homeless crisis in four West Coast cities, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Portland, Oregon. In each city, we saw a lack of safety, sanitation, and civility. Residents and homeless and advocates say they've lost their faith in their elected officials' ability to solve the issue. Uh, most of the cities have thrown hundreds of millions of dollars at the problem only to watch it get worse. This is what we saw in San Francisco. San Francisco is a city of extremes. It has more billionaires per capita than anywhere else in the world, but it also has a homeless problem so severe that rivals some third world nations, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna interject a little bit here and there uh, through the articles. And of course, remember, uh, it was actually uh, Bernie Sanders who went through. Uh, I believe it might have been San Francisco or, or somewhere in California, maybe it was L.A., who talked about walking through the streets, or maybe it was even Baltimore. Maybe it was actually Baltimore, but still a, a city run by Democrats who 
contributed saying it was a third world country, saying it was like walking on the streets of a third world country. So this, you know, there in California could be an opening, and we'll talk more about that on the show tonight on why Trump could have uh, an opportunity to actually win California. And I think there's plenty of time to do it, but it's got to start soon. And I think we're kind of starting that now with uh, looking at articles of these and, and seeing what Trump could do. But anyway, on any given day, you can see souped-up Lamborghinis and blinged-out trophy wives in one part of the city. So walk over a few blocks and see piles of human feces, puddles of urine, and vomit caked on the sidewalks. The misery of homelessness, mental illness, and drug addiction hits deep in San Francisco and has turned parts of a beautiful city into a public toilet. Wow, that's pretty – oh, man, this photo on this article. Whew, man. So San Francisco human feces map shows waste blanketing the city. Okay, that's a link there. It says, as the problem grows, residents are finding themselves at a crossroads. Uh, the comparison for these struggling for those struggling is constantly being challenged by a fear for their own safety and quality of life. It never has to get this bad, say critics, who are appalled that it's getting worse every day. I won't visit my son who lives out there again, Amelia Cartwright told Fox News. It's disgusting. I went there a few months ago for the first time, and this guy who looked homeless and really bit up spit on me. Can you imagine? He spit on me. Well, it might be a shock for the system for some, residents say such interactions are common. One woman, one cleaning woman who works downtown with Fox News, a homeless woman comes by every day, curses and, at her, and spits on the window. Lately, the case of citizens being harassed by mentally ill street people has taken a dangerous turn. Last week, Austin Vincent, a homeless man, was caught on camera attacking a 26-year-old woman outside her condo complex. As he threw Panisarian on the ground, he allegedly talked about saving her from robots and offered to kill another woman nearby so he could earn her trust. Vincent was arrested and pleaded not guilty to a false imprisonment charge and two counts of battery and attempted robbery. Instead of being thrown in jail, Superior Court Judge Christine Van Aken released Vincent over the objections of the district attorney's office. Her decision caused a huge backlash in the community and was slammed by Mayor London Breed and other city officials. The judge eventually ordered Vincent to wear an ankle monitor. On Monday, Vincent was arrested again for an alleged assault that occurred in February. The police said he was armed with a knife and approached a woman and her friends as they waited for a ride. Vincent allegedly threatened to kill the woman and lunged at the group. The controversy over Vincent's, uh, Vincent's initial release is just the latest example, prompting people in the city of the Bay to say they don't feel safe on the streets. Outraged residents Fox News spoke to in late June said they were tired of waiting for their elected officials to come up with a plan and complain no one ever seemed to be on the same page. What's equally frustrating is that the city still manages to blow through hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars each year to address the crisis and blames everyone but themselves when the homeless count rises. It's not enough. I mean, it's not as we though we don't see the problem, former Apple employee told Fox News. There's no way to escape it. In May, city officials braced themselves when a preliminary homeless count was released. They expected the numbers to rise, and they were right. Initial data showed it had jumped 17% 
from 2017, uh, the double-digit growth was bad enough, but when it got a whole new, a lot worse. When the final report was released a couple of months later, it showed the street count increase would be have been, I'm sorry would have been 30 percent if the city had stru- uh, stuck to the same definition of homelessness as they had in the past. This year, San Francisco opted to use the federal definition instead of the one they wrote themselves. Hmm. Funny how they manipulate things, isn't it? So the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development's definition of homelessness includes people who are living on the streets, in cars, or in shelters. San Francisco's own definition widens the category to people without a permanent address who are in prison, rehab, or hospitalized. If the city used the same measurement it had in years in the past, the number would show an increase from 7,400 to 9,784, or 30% increase in 2019. Uh, city spokesman Jeff Creighton explained the change by saying San Francisco is look at the HUD mem- numbers because it helps us work in collaboration with other places like Los Angeles or our neighboring counties. Some homeless advocates weren't on board with that logic and accused the city of manipulating the findings to make it seem as though more progress had been made when, in fact, the numbers showed the opposite. The city has also blamed the rise of homelessness on big tech companies that have moved to the area, including Twitter, Salesforce, uh, NVIDIA, and Eventbrite. They say that businesses have brought high-paying jobs with them, which cause housing sources of the prices to soar. And to push people who can't afford to keep up financially out of the area and onto the streets. I'm, I'm just scrolling here. It says Jose, a Bay Area, uh, a Bay Area rapid transit worker who's been living in San Francisco for more than 20 years, told Fox News he fears he too could be homeless one day. What's happening is that they're building too many condominiums and kicking the people out. He said. I'm lucky they haven't kicked me out yet. According to a 2018 report from HUD, a family of four living in San Francisco making $117,000, I'm rounding, uh, a year qualifies as <clears throat> low income. For single salaries of 82000 or less, it puts them in that bracket. In comparison, low income for a family of four in New York is 83000 per year. In his 2019 report on housing affordability in San Francisco Bay Area, Compass economist Patrick Carlyle said affordability percentages remain low by historical standards in the Bay Area, typically among the lowest in the nation. According to data from the California Association of Realtors, only 17% of households can afford to buy a median-priced home in San Francisco. That's $1.7 million. So it's impossible to buy a home here, resident Doug Stahl told Fox News. You've got these ridiculous housing prices, crime, and these people crapping on the streets. Why would anyone want to stay? But to say the city hasn't tried to address the problem would be wrong. It has. The problem is that it backfired spectacularly. One of the biggest statewide blunders is Proposition 47, supported by the California Democratic Party and championed by the American Civil Liberties Union. See, and this part I think is big, and one thing I think he should do is he should outline uh, the all the problems of California and how it is the Democrats because they've been running the place. It's they, you know it's their fault. Now 
with the businesses and housing costs, I think that that's going to be hard to address because that's true too. So who's fault in it and who's going to be in the best position to fix it? Now, a lot of folks would say this is a, uh, a local matter in a lot of ways that it is, but my, my state is, my statement is, and I'll get the folks in Suzette and then I'll do some green rooming. Uh, my point on that is, is that, yeah, it's, it's certainly a state problem, but I think it's something that Trump can do to highlight what it's like to have Democrats controlling everything and not and use California as an example, you know. But he's got to spin it. And that's the only thing I want to talk about with everybody tonight. Get ideas of how can he spin it? Not only use the word spin, that's probably not good, but but how can he ensconce his message? So that he can actually have voters want to vote for Trump in California now, and maybe as him being president can do something about the problem. And uh, I'll go ahead and get uh, folks in. So let me go ahead and bring in Suzette, and then I've got some green rooming I'm going to do while, while we have Suzette on, but let's bring her in. Uh, thank you very much, Suzette, uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, thank you, Robert. I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Sounds like you're doing all right. The song got you all hyped up. That's good. It got me excited and inspired and ready to talk. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and I think that having this conversation, I know some people I talked to, well, it's kind of early, Robert, to start having a Rob to start having these conversations, and I'm like, no, no, because this is a bit. I mean, this is big. I mean, as I pointed out earlier, and you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been since Reagan, since you know, uh, no, not not Reagan. Actually, um, it wasn't Reagan. He, I, I, I misspoke on on here, and I haven't written down. I actually have to fix that. It wasn't Reagan. Bush won. Um, I believe Bush won in '88. He took California in '88. So it wasn't really Reagan. Reagan really wasn't the last. Uh, yeah. I want to fix that. One to win California. Bush was the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. In '88. So I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to fix that. He was the last one, I think, Republican. Mm-hmm, 1988. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll have to fix yeah. that. Okay. Um, so you were talking about what um, can be, Donald Trump could say or do to get California to realize what's going on and so to turn their attention to the president or president incumbent uh, that he could fix it. And that's a tough one in the sense that I don't think that there's too much that he can actually point out other than what he's already pointed out as far as the, the um, homelessness. Um, maybe he can address the fact that, you know, California would have gotten the tax break that, that uh, the other Americans did across the states, uh, but states that, you know, like California and New York, that we didn't get it because, or it didn't make a difference in our paychecks because the uh, taxes are... Um, you know, suck it all up, the state taxes, thanks to who's running it. But I, I honestly believe that people are already on the Trump train here in California um, because they're tired of it. Democrats have, okay, here's one item, the voting. He can actually address the voting and to monitor the polls when you go to vote and things like that because he's already had lawsuits or he already had the um, – a committee look into the voter fraud here in California, and then Judicial Watch had sued um, Los Angeles County um, to have their their uh, polls 
I mean, their registration, what do you call it, purged. And uh, so, yeah, you can address that. That's a big deal right there because they can they manipulate the numbers. It's already been proven. Voter fraud is ridiculous. And so, uh, yeah, you can address that. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, and we've got uh, Robert on the line. Let's see if we get his thoughts, and I'll go uh, more with the uh, with the article. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in Robert. Uh, thank you very much, Robert, coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you all? I tell you what, right. I don't know how Susan takes California. And I, she has my empathy. I I know I when, when I was running against James Buchanan, I was trying to help California to flip red, and things didn't work well uh, about that. So <clears throat> hopefully, it's you know the, the situation with the homeless in California is a pandemic now. And the reason why it's a pandemic is because they're spreading typhus with all this. You know I, was about to, I was about to say that, yeah. Uh, you know? So in my view, <clears throat> Robert, in my view, it should be Pelosi's district that needs to be cleaned up first and she should pay for it. Seriously. That's number one. Because... When you have an epidemic and a pandemic, it's federal government. That's how I feel about the situation. So, <clears throat> California's got to wake up and smell the coffee because they're going down too. And Florida's next. Seriously. And uh, I'm worried about both states now. I have a, I'm on a radio show on Tuesday nights with the American Patriot family. I don't know if you know that show or not. But mm-hmm. that's on Tuesday that's on Tuesday nights at seven. I've been with them since twenty twelve. So they basically just uh, you know, prepped me on everything. And then what happened was I was worried about I was worried about the home I I'm worried about the homeless anyways because if I would have, if I went around against James' father, Ver Buchanan, if I would have won, I would have, I would have turned, I would have turned his whole office into a soup kitchen for the homeless. Seriously, the homeless in Sarasota County, Robert, is so bad. It's just unbelievable. And 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 when you try to go to a shelter. And I believe maybe Dr. Tolbert could could back me up if he's on tonight. <clears throat> I no, he's not. He's not on yet, but he might he might come in later. Uh, yeah, but but Robert, when you go to a shelter, right? You have to pay eight to ten dollars a day to stay in the shelter. Now, you know a homeless doesn't have a job, or so most of them do. Most of them do. The problem is very prevalent here, okay? And Sarasota County doesn't do justice with with the homeless. But but this is what they seem to forget, Robert. The homeless do vote. The homeless are registered to vote. So if politicians do not seek out homeless people, they, they lost the battle. 
because I almost don't believe in them, believe in them anymore. Losing faith like Scaramucci. Okay? So, Robert, I don't know where this country is headed right now. And I'm a Jewish candidate. Okay? And have Spanish. So I have three strikes against me. Okay? As far as I'm concerned. And what Trump said, I, I, I'm having problems digesting what he said about Democrats don't have loyalty. And though I'm not a Democrat, I'm still a Jew, a conservative one at that. So, you know. Well, well I, think, I, I think what you're referring to is Trump saying if you're a Jew and you, and you vote for a Democrat, you're, you're not showing much loyalty to your, you know, your background. What I, it's yeah, like, I know. You know, I, I can't speak for Trump, but that's what Well, that's, but he said it in a way that you, you could take, you could, it's the way he says things. This is what I couldn't digest. If he meant that way he said it, I'm okay with that. But if, if he did, if he said it in a different way, which I took it the wrong way, possibly. So, you know, I'm asking everybody for spiritual guidance on this. But, you know, it's 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 just uh, the banning. I, I don't know about the banning either. What do you think, Robert, about the banning of the two little you-know-whos? <laughs> on the what? On, on, on the two, two, uh, two, two uh, Congress ladies. Oh, actually, three. The way they talk about Israel, they're all. Oh well, I mean, I, I, I think what's happened recently about the Israel saying, "Nah, you can't come to my." I mean, I, and I haven't read it up as much as I know I'd like to. I just, you know, I haven't had a ton to do that. But I mean, I do know that, you know, uh, earlier in the week or later last week, Trump, you know, tweeted out, you know, eh, probably not a good idea for Israel to, you know, allow these these ladies into their country, and they're like. And they agree, and basically, like, yeah, it's a good idea. You guys can't come in. Uh, of course, it caused a lot of hoopla. I didn't pay. I mean, I, I like to have. I would like to pay more attention to that, but I really didn't. But I mean, I, I mean, I kind of found. It, I, I, I just kind of found it kind of comical uh, about that. <coughs> I, I, I thought it was kind of comical, you know that. It is. You know that they it did is. that. The way they do it, I had, I had a laugh at what he's doing. The tears coming down from her eyes. That just, Robert, that just did me in, really. I you feel like you got out. a cold, Robert. <laughs> I do have a cold. I'm not feeling well, sir. Oh, man. Well, I hope you feel better bad. soon. Well, I know. It's awful. So, you know, I don't know if, it's, if the red tie came back or not. Uh, you know, I've been sneezing. My eyes are watery. Plus, I haven't been sleeping. You know how it goes when you run for office. It's, it's, it's a it's trial and tribulation, you know. Oh, I hope you feel so, better. Uh, thank you, Susan. Where do you live in California, Susan? I live in Southern California. Is that Northern California? Uh, no, Southern California, uh, more specifically oh. San Bernardino County. Santa Bernardino. Wow, I I I feel your pain. I have a friend. I have a friend who lives in San Bernardino, California. And and, and 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 four years ago, I went to 2014. I went to a funeral 
my ex-wife's funeral <clears throat> for her brother. Uh-huh. I went to uh, I went to LAX. If you gave me a billion dollars to live in LA, I would take it. <laughs> you would you you'd only be able to live. Well, you know, it sounds like you'd only be able to live there. Not you know, you know, you couldn't even live there for a decade. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. I swear to God, I wouldn't take it. It's all. It's just so uh, It's so awful there. I, I was in the worst part of LA. The worst part. Unbelievable. Oh. I was in. I was in Eaglewood. I'm glad we don't live in LA. The income disparity there between that and and what um what the rent is in 2015 over um let's see I think it was a two two year span so it'd be 2013 2014 and then 2015 the report came out but the um so it was an 84 percent raise in in rental property as far as your rents go so you have these well, developers. They buy the yeah. mom and pop shops, you well, know, the the ones that they rent out, and then once they rent, they do that, then the developers start raising the rent on these people, like every month. They convert their leases to a month to month, so they don't have to show cause for kicking them out. And so that, once that, they get to the was, point where they can't pay it, you know, they have to. I'm yeah. sorry, they have to move out. Go ahead. Yeah, that was that was that was home rule here in Florida. I was against that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was so so against home rule in Florida. You know, when the Florida coalition went to Israel, mm-hmm. you know they try they try to use they try to use their water water policies on Israel, which I was totally against. I had a delegate against. I had a delegate okay, against. Okay, we got. Well, well, hold up, folks. We we got to do have Joe in the line. I want to get Joe in uh, to our roundtable here. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in Joe. Thank you. Thank so you. Let's. Uh, yeah, let's keep uh, all background noise to a minimum here. And uh, if you have to mute your mic, if you could do that, because I'd hate to have to do it, but, uh, you know, if I have to, but um, hopefully not. Let's go, ahead and, uh, and let's go ahead and bring in Joe. Thank you very much uh, for coming to the show tonight. It's good to see you. How are you tonight? Hey, um, how's my phone? Any static? Any, any problems with it? No, you sound pretty clear to me right now. Oh, okay. Um, this is for uh, Joe. The caller on the line. Um, if they're gonna offer you a billion dollars, you don't want it. You just give it to me, okay? <laughs> oh, I thought he said I thought he said a million dollars. I might do it for a billion, cause then I I build myself a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. There you go. Part of a wall. <laughs> That's right. I built my own wall there. <laughs> you kidding? Uh, okay. I'm taking a look at Bob. I'm taking a look at your description page and your. I don't know if you're an advocate of this, but are you? <laughs> That petition to go to the moon, um, I'm not for it. I don't want any more government money being spent on these NASA projects, which we don't know about. So there's probably uh, billions of dollars that are being directed towards NASA and probably billions of dollars that we don't know about in some sort of black uh, blackout project. So um, I'm, I'm not going to sign that petition. Well, I mean, I do support it, and, and, and there's a number of reasons why. I mean, one is that it's going to happen, and it's going to happen by someone. And if and I'd rather if it's going to be ha- happen from someone, either if it's a – now, they, they propose, that, you know, more of an international, the LaRouche uh, organization. You know, they, they like the more of an international uh, cooperative uh, to doing it. I Now, I prefer um, that it would be, you know, mainly the United States just because – 
the, the, you know, just like, uh, you know, the empires of old, and let's not, let's be honest, you know, you could certainly see uh, the United States as empire, and if you, you know, first uh, the people who, you know, had the land, the trade route to control those, uh, I'm Robert, I'm getting some background noise there from you, but, um, you know, the, sorry, I got distracted here, I apologize, because it's cold and stuff, I hate to hear that, <laughs> it sounds miserable, I feel so sorry for you guys, but, um, but anyway, and then, of course, the people who controlled, you know, the land, and then the people who controlled the seas, they became the dominant force. Right. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, then the air, that was the United States. So, and then whoever could, you know, space, and, and I support it for, and I say our economic prosperity, because one of the things, and I've talked about on the show, is to move over to nuclear fusion. And right. the way to do that is, you know, the helium-3 on the moon. And then, I mean, for every dollar that is spent in space exploration, the economy gets like a six a six dollar payback. I mean, what can you uh, say? I mean, what, I mean, like the mi- what like the microwave, te- the microwave, Teflon, you know, now, look at all things the things that are invented anyway. for space travel, <clears throat> and then and we use today. Hmm? Yeah, well, they would have come about anyway. I mean, that to me is, of course, marketing by NASA to show how the dollars are going to be justified. But we don't need uh, unless number and uh, number two, whoever gets to the moon, do you really believe that you know they're, they're going to be rich people that they're going to want the um, the middle class to come on up and follow them, knowing the history of the United States and the and the world, this is going to be mainly for people who can afford it. It's going to be for the Elon Musks and the um, Jeffrey Epstein's and the um, and the Bill Gates. And the inv- and the inventions that are being um, developed by DARPA and by other institutions, they're not there for us. Uh, the humanist organization, the futurists, um, the, uh, the singularities are there for people who want to become immortal. It'd be nice if we if we all could become immortal and merge with machines, but they're going to be uh, conscripted by the rich, and they're not going to be there for us. So it's a nice idea. You know, go to the moon, colonize Mars, expand, get away from an Earth that's being polluted by people who don't care about the environment. But those who are going to um, fund this, and there's probably you know, a few people, they're going to take it over and use it for themselves. So I'm not, uh, I'm not for this. Well, another aspect I bring up is you know national defense. Now, whereas. Uh, you know, with the Space Force, so, you know, that's another thing that I support, the, the Space Force. I'm for that, but I'm not for the colonization of the moon. The Space Force, as you were leading into with your um, uh, with your statements, yeah, whoever controlled the land and the sea and then the air is going to protect their nation well. So I'm all for that. But to go t- and have an international type of unity and to go to the moon and go to Mars, there will be debates about who owns what. And then, of course, just like the corporations own America today, they'll own the, um, you know, the settlement of the moon and the settlement of Mars. So unless we can get rid of corruption, and that can be done by trying to debrief the United States population, which is a hard job to do, um, all we're doing is signing our own death warrants. Especially with AI, if AI comes on board, you can forget about anybody owning anything because AI will just take over the world and just destroy it. Are you, are you saying kind of like the Terminator movies? <laughs> uh, the just like it. Guy just net. like that. 
just like that. And it's not not too far-fetched because if um, an intelligent being actually uh, realizes that it's alive, that it, re- that it uh, becomes a sentient being, and it knows all about us, and will know all about us in just a, no matter than a, a few hours, once it gets connected to the Internet, um, it's no use for us. Plus, they'll see us as a threat, and they w- and the threat would be real. So they would have to get it would have to get rid of us. Either that or leave the planet. <laughs> but it'd probably be easy just to get rid of us. That would be a good topic for the show, actually. <laughs> what what would AI do if it actually got to become a sentient being? No, no, I think that would, you know, I, no, I think that'd be fascinating. I mean, and you know, talk about the people who. Um, you know, like live forever or something like that nature. One thing, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm interested in supporting of and, and, and actually uh, considering and researching doing is, you know, I know people get buried and people get cryogenically or, or get burnt. Or I'm getting frozen and getting cryogenically right. frozen. So, right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that is, a, it's a, that is a nice goal for people to have. I mean, some people don't want to die. Me, I don't care. I mean, I think when you die, you die. Um, not a problem. But for those people who want to invest and see the development of cryogenic um, evolution, yeah, not a problem. But again, that kind of science will be taken. Look, here's here's my prediction: the world is being run by only a few families now. Anyway, any 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 country that has a central bank is probably being ruled by the Rothschilds and the Warburgs, Rockefellers, etc. That's just the way it is. The Rothschilds they've been ruling the the, the world for centuries. Ever since they, um, the Napoleonic Wars, where they discovered that they could lend money to countries and to dictators and to people who had headed up those countries at a more profitable rate than they could by just lending out the money to businesses and institutions. As a result, um, they developed the idea of central banks. Central banks control um, the particular country. If they, if they don't control the country, they certainly. Um, Taking away the resources of the country, and um, and uh, I'm trying to look for the word for um, oh, draining the country of money, because if you know the history of the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve gives back to Congress on the average around 19 billion dollars a year, and that's after profits. So if they're giving back to Congress about 19 billion a year, they're probably making about 39, 40 billion dollars, 50 billion dollars a year. So, um, and that kind of money influences um, Congress greatly. If you notice, nobody ever talks about eliminating the Fed. They always talk about how the Fed will raise or lower interest rates and how they control the economy. Well, I mean, there's a few who talk about getting rid of the Fed. They just never became president, Ron Paul. (laughs) Well, he never, well, he only talked about it. Ron Paul. Yeah, and Ron Paul sparingly. Uh, He mainly... His major program when he came to the Fed was to audit the Fed, because and I think right, he did right. that so that he wouldn't get killed. Um, if you talk about eliminating the Fed, you will die. Um, no doubt about you mean, it. Kind of like uh, kind of like Epstein. <laughs> oh, Epstein, <laughs> which yeah, we he talked got about Arkansas. last week. Yeah, <laughs> what a suicide! <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> if, if it, well, and some are contending he's not even dead, and, and and people can hear more about that and uh, what the thoughts were on that on on last week's uh, episode uh, oh, of really? our podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about possible. that last week. 
it's, it's possible. If you have money, you can do just about anything you want. When he was arrested, do you know that he actually had um, um, a daily work furlough program that he actually left his cell every day and worked at his house with a monitor around his ankle? Hmm. So I'm just no, talking I heard about he had some kind of female visit. I heard he had some some young female visiting him all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, he had money. You can do anything you want. If you ever watch the movie uh, Goodfellas, they brag about how, you know, if you're a member of the mob, um, the, the prison's just like home. They don't have to conform to um, to the regulations and rules of, of a prison. And Epstein, um, unfortunately, he was in bed with uh, with the Clintons. So, like I said, he probably got Arkansas. Now, what disturbs me, besides the fact that he may have been suicided, is that the AG Barr agrees with the uh, the findings of the pathologist and says, "Yeah, okay, it looks like it's a suicide to me," <laughs> which means yeah. Not- and I said, and I, you know what? And I said that last week. I said, unless some heads roll, this is just going to be a cover up. People are going to forget about it in a couple weeks because no one's going to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, so I mean, look, we're we're being run um, by what Alex Jones has been talking about for years, international globalists. But, but, but real quick, but back on that, real quick, back on that subject, cause it, uh-huh. it kind of made me think. Why would they arrest I mean, if they knew this guy was going to get killed and all that, or, or or fake his death, or whatever ended up happening? Uh-huh. I, I, tell, I guess most, most think that he he was murdered. Why would they arrest him in the first place? Why would they even allow for his? I mean, who started for him to even get arrested again? I mean, well, why would that happen? Yeah. Did, I mean, what, was there a, a risk of him blabbing, or was he going to do a tell-all book? I mean, why did he, why the hell did he get arrested in the first place? Probably, um, because otherwise, why not let him uh, run free? I mean, if he had these associations with all these powerful people, then he should have been protected. But if he were going to, let's say, um, pull the uh, the onion skin back on somebody that he knew, or he became a pain in the ass for somebody that he knew, they had to get rid of him. It was my understanding uh, that what brought about the whole thing of him being rearrested was the fact that people were complaining and asking for an investigation into why, and when he was arrested in Florida and made the deal with the um, attorney general there and also um, Trump's guy that was involved in it, why was he given a special sentence where he could come and go as he pleased, this work program he supposedly had, went back to his cell in the evening, yada, yada. And so somebody was saying, this isn't right. We need this investigated. And so that's why he was rearrested again, because they started investigating, and then allegations were coming out, more allegations that had taken place, not in Florida, but in New York. And so because they couldn't charge him anymore with the New York, with the Florida because he'd already been charged and sentenced for that, but they were investigating why and what happened that gave him that sweet deal. But I think, I, well, see, A.G. Barr, his father was the one who hired Jeffrey Epstein, who had no college degree, to work at this prominent um, private, what was it, school, uh, college, to, um, to teach math. And or some type of math or something like that, but it was A.G. Barr's father who hired him. And so how do you get to teach in a prominent type private college uh, with no with degree? With no credentials, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he did that for two years, um, and that's part of his profile as far as, you know, his, begin- his humble beginning, so to speak. Um, he had gone to college. He didn't like it. He dropped out. And he tried it again, dropped out, and then decided to go in a different direction. 
uh, which was the Wall Street thing. But prior to that, in the meantime, to make his connections, this is how he got hired. People knew each other, um, fathers and so forth. Well, so yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he's obviously too bright for college, just like Bill Gates was. He dropped out of Harvard. So um, if Epstein can found his hedge fund, um, then he's obviously a bright guy. And then you know, mm-hmm. with the pedophilia ring, which is, um, you know, <laughs> kind of prominent in the news now, he had people under his control for a while. But people don't like being under, you know, somebody else's control through blackmail or potential blackmail. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Epstein didn't like the idea of being, you know, he's a billionaire and he's he's being allowed to leave a cell and then to come back at night. That that's going to rub the ego of somebody like that the wrong way. And I'm sure he's probably, mm-hmm. you know, he got Arkansas as far as I'm concerned. I think he was a cog in the big machine in the big picture. I don't think he was sure. the main guy. Oh yeah, I, that's what I believe anyway. When you think about the people, the prominent people, you know, you've got the. the <laughs> the people in England involved, you know, the prince. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so, yeah, it goes bigger yeah, than that. I mean, I've yeah, seen a lot of articles he's... about the prince, but I really haven't, I, I, I haven't read or paid attention to anything, to be honest. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me more about that. You know, I mean, it, it's a, it, this is a reference to uh, something we talked about last week, but, you know, if, if people want to hear, you know, more about what we talked about last week, you can find it on the uh, the podcast. But, you know, go, I mean, go ahead. I'm just using that as a as a plug for last week's show for people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I was just, we were just talking as far as that goes. I, I just thought. Well, no, what about the Prince? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, cause I've been seeing articles about, oh, the Prince was on the plane twice or this or that. And I mean, I, I mean, I've seen the article, but I never read it. You know, I was just like, passing mm. like, oh, okay. I mean, I really don't care about that. The only thing that pisses me off, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I, seriously, I don't care about any of that. The only thing that I, that I care about is that, you know, if someone didn't murder this guy or take this guy out, you know, the powers that be, that's kind of the thing that bothers me because it's like, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, it's such a different, you know, a different system. If he fails any of us, now, of course, none of us would ever have the power and, and uh, you know, the money to do any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, when, when, you're, when you're that rich, I guess you could get, uh, get rid of, well, that's the thing. The higher the risk, the higher the reward, right? Or the higher the, you know, sure. higher the danger. You know, the more money you make. I mean, that's, that's why when people said it, I'm way, I'm digressing way into different field here. Is that why, that's why when people are like, well, Tom, you know, Saddam Hussein was actually the Bush's pawn, you know, and, and they end up having him killed or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? That's the risk you take of being a, a you know, of being a pawn for somebody. You're expendable. If you're somebody's mm-hmm. pawn, and maybe Epstein is bringing it back here, maybe you're Epstein's pawn, you're expendable. You know, if you, and if you're someone's pawn, you've got to do what they say. To order. Maybe that's how he was able to live his lifestyle, the, you know, because he's politician. Yeah. We made deals with um, And then his, his, so, his brother's yeah. taking over the business, taking over the island, I've heard, and, you know, because um, the victims are going to be claiming oh, that. Oh, about Epstein's court, island, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, but um, his brother's going to be taking over the business, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, but we, you know. which, which business? <laughs> yeah, the pedophilia. <laughs> but getting back to Hussein, I'm um, talking about being expendable. When Hussein shook hands with Donald Rumsfeld, he already um, made a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, and then Rumsfeld comes along, and then, of course, Dick Cheney and the Bushes, et cetera. So if you take a look at the... Um, 
at the history of these people, then you know what you know. You connect the dots. Um, sure. You know, you'd, there's very few people outside of Alex Jones who are going to try to put the dots together. But then again, he's being called the conspiracy theorist. But if you listen to Hannity, Limbaugh, Levin, they all have elements of what Alex Jones has been talking about for years. Um, the other day, well, most conspiracy theories generally are true. Which, you know, yeah. come to pass after all. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I'm kind of on board with Robert. You know, as far as the this guy was high profile. There's just too many things that are questionable, and they're just going to go ahead and rule it this and close the case and call it a day. It's like, no, what are you talking about? That means that, that there's still people out there continuing to do what they and were they doing. Have, right. Who's just next, you know, who's just the um, the chauffeur, so to speak. Um, uh, well, absolutely. So somebody else will step in, and it's like, no, 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 we need to find out who or why or what. Don't just call it a day because um, this guy is a bad dude, and you figure, okay, one more, you know, bad dude off the street, let's call it a day and have lunch, you know. Well, yeah, but there's too many coincidences, <laughs> though. I mean, when exactly. you, have, you, have, you have two guards who were not supposed to be there, and I think they were hired uh-huh. recently, and they're, then they both fall asleep for three hours apiece at yeah. the same time. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. cameras. And they expect us to swallow this. <laughs> yeah. I, but you know what? Anybody have a bridge in Brooklyn that they want to sell me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah, there's just too many coincidences, and they, they really think the American people are stupid. I think more more or less we're just helpless as far as to to push anything, you know, to to get him to do something as far as investigating. Well, what do you guys think about this theory? Here's another theory I had, and and, and this is maybe one of the more far-fetched theories that I had, and this ties things back to Trump, is that the Democrats have thrown every freaking thing they can at Donald Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Russian collusion. He's a racist, and blah, blah. now they probably. You know what? I'm wondering if, as I said, this the forest off theory. Is I'm wondering if someone somewhere trying to dig up dirt on Trump, seeing a twenty, thirty year picture, twenty or thirty year picture or longer than that ago of Trump with Epstein. It's like, oh, oh my God, look, oh my gosh, oh, that's a picture of Trump with Epstein. Epstein, you know that guy, that the guy's got that island that, you know, all these people have gone to and maybe had sex with, you know, underage girls? Uh, there's, a, there's a picture of Trump with him. Let's go ahead and, and, and arrest this guy and try to tie him to Trump. And then, you know, that's what I, maybe that was one of the things. They like, that on one more thing they try to throw it, because they tried that, remember? They did try yeah. to tie Trump uh, to Epstein. Now, of course, as everything else they've tried, it didn't work, you know, but I mean, who knows? Maybe someone found a, an old archive picture. You know, Trump with that yeah. scene, like, oh, my gosh, let's arrest well, they this did. guy. Well, they we they they already found a picture like that. Yeah, and they found Tiger. Oh, no, I know they did. I know there was a picture like that out. Yeah. But, see, but see, the, the potential victim that's accused Epstein of being head of a pedophilia ring has already exonerated Trump. So she said yes. Trump has never been with her. Trump never even came on her. Now, that I don't believe. Maybe Trump I didn't do. come on to her, you know, but she was 16 at the time, so maybe exactly. he didn't. But, right. you know, I don't, you know, if she were 18, 19, Trump would have come on to her. 
You know, and not only that, but there are part, you know, documents stating, you know, that Trump had kicked, uh, what to face out of Mar-a-Lago, Epstein, so he wasn't allowed to be there because he was doing things that he wasn't supposed to be doing, and Trump didn't like it, so he says, you're out of here, you're not, you're banned from this, you know, yeah. from Mar-a-Lago, any of my locations. Well, and here's the thing, notice how quickly... No, what once that well, who knows? Maybe my theory's closer to the truth than any than not. Because what once that got nipped in the bud, and let's be honest, it got nipped in the bud pretty quick. What happened? Oh well, well we can't use this guy anymore. Let's kill him and move on, move on to whatever the next thing is going to be for Trump. Well, well, the next thing is they try and think they're going to try to uh, manipulate a recession. Is what I think that might be. The oh next. yeah, they're already That's on that. What I try to do. Yeah, they're already on that. Yeah, um, but they don't know that the, it's the Fed um, that generally causes recessions um, because of interest rates and um, you know their monetary policies. And people don't really realize that the Fed is independent from the president. The Fed is an independent, um, quasi-government um, institution. So he can do whatever it wants. Um, they're not, not government, though. They're just associated and connected right. with it. Right. That's what efficient. I'm saying. It's a quasi-government institution. People think because of the Federal Reserve that it's part of the government. It's independent from the government. It goes from right. the political right. theater of appearing in front of Congress every once in a while, but it can do whatever it wants to do whenever it wants to do it. And You're there's right. no judicial yep. review. That's part of its charter. There's no judicial review. It will do what it wants to do. And if it wants to raise interest rates like Volcker did back in the 80s to 18, 21%, nobody's going to mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah, that's why they've never been audited. Well, yeah, they don't have to be audited. They exactly. actually voluntarily give, <laughs> give their um, documents to Congress, but they don't give them all the documents. That was one of the platforms of Ron Paul. He says that something like there's three, three departments of the Federal Reserve, which Congress never has and never has access to. And these three departments, um, they're the ones that, um, you know, that make money for the Fed. And they're being done in secret. Yeah. The the Fed is a very insidious and powerful institution. It is, we have to eliminate it, bring bring the money power back to the the Treasury, and you'll eliminate, you know, if you had that, you wouldn't even have one dime of deficit, one dime of, um, of debt. Well, don't forget the IMF as well. Well, the IMF is headed by Goldman Sachs. You know, the IMF and the, and other powerful world institutions, all of them I have are run by the alumnus of Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And Goldman yeah. Sachs is tied to, geez, can I say that name again? Rothschild. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rockefellers, don't forget. But you yeah, oh, yeah. Amen, you are right on. Oh, yeah, you know, and the Rockefellers, you know, just by connecting the dots, they, to me, are the friendly rivals, or maybe not so friendly rivals, of the uh, Rothschilds. Because mm-hmm. the, the Rockefellers made their money in oil. Then they went into banking, which was the purview of the Rothschilds. Yeah. And I'm sure the Rothschilds mm. didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know, so, um, you know, I mean, if you... People think the world is run by Twilight Zone episodes of conspiracy theories and network. People think that, 
Well, geez, you can't have just a, a few families running the world. Mm, why not? Why not? That's where it started. I mean, yeah. hello. It's in the history books. <laughs> plus, yeah, plus, take a look at the history books. I mean, if, even if you leave out the, the conspiracy theories, take a look at the history books, and you see that every country has been born out of blood, <laughs> conflict, and war. And then that leads to dictatorships, corruption, etc. That's what the that's what makes the world go around is guns and politics. But you have people believing that there's you know here the United States of America as far as oh we came over and we just kind of took over everything and said okay we're a country and forgetting how it all started with the thirteen you know yeah. or we all became together and what it took to get there it wasn't we just landed and said hey we're here we're going to take over no we were an extension. Before anything else, and then we said we don't like playing by rules anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. England. And I and I happen to agree with the Revolutionary War, but then after that, the expansion. Don't forget the thirteen colonies around the northeast part of the United States, and all of a sudden, um, our ancestors owned the rest of the um, of the con- uh, the rest of the country. And how's that? Mm-hmm. Well, Russia yep. Russia owned uh, a part of the um, Pacific side of the country, along with Mexico and France, we had to buy the Louisiana Purchase. We had yeah, to make deals is. with Russia. So mm-hmm. everybody was just conquering the Indians left and right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And we, I mean, that's what makes us, you know, as far as the whole melting pot, because we weren't all, as an American, you know, like you said, the Louisiana Purchase. So we had, you know, a French um, influence, you know, in that state. And like you said, on the other side there, as far as Russia goes. So. The Russia, yeah, so. Russia owned Washington and Oregon, which is now Washington and Oregon, and they owned that particular mm-hmm. part of the land, which, of course, uh, they just didn't land and make deals with the uh, with the Indians. They conquered them. They shot them, killed mm-hmm. them, yeah. scalped them. Scalping was, was done by the settlers. It wasn't done first by the Indians. Right, right. And then the territories were drawn. You know, they had to do yeah. all that. And, then every and on three- my foot, basically, it worked. Yeah, and well, every treaty yeah. made with the Indians has been broken by the United States government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, it's amazing. Well, uh, well, and that's what. Well, uh, that's an ex- Sorry. Well, that's actually that's actually an excuse that people are saying why, you know, we sh- you know uh, about the Mexicans going into like California and into Texas, saying, oh, well, they're just trying to get their land back. So different than if the the Indians, you know, like or like in South. Um, like it's like the, the killings of white far- the killing of white farmers mm-hmm. in uh in South Africa. In, in South yeah, South Africa, you got people on I am getting to the point where I must hate <laughs> social media, but you know, those people are you know, are actually like, Oh well, you know, they they took their stuff but now they're just getting it back. It's like you know, just like reparations here, like they they want us to pay and, and, and back to and back to California <laughs> Is you know the yeah. Democrats want us to pay reparations? Yeah, well, you know, I'm for not for reparations. I, I never the, played a part in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not for reparations the way that the Democrats are describing it, but for a part time for the for the blacks in South Africa gaining, going after their land the way that uh, I I don't see anything wrong in it. I mean, if 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 people from either Australia or England came over and killed blacks in order to occupy that particular land and institute apartheid, that meant that they had to kill the indigenous people 
just like over in Australia, where the Aborigines were killed by the convicts that came over from England to, to establish Australia. So now they, they want their land back, and they're going to do it the same way that the, the whites did it to them. So that's the way the world works. Many of them don't know how to work the land. So basically they take it over, and then then they end up abandoning it. I saw a documentary. They end up abandoning it. Well, they may. Yeah, they may. And then they leave it. They yeah, can't but, work it. but that's the way the and you know what Tom and made on Facebook about that? You know, because really there's there's no way. Let me tell you something. And what the thing that pisses me off, and I know we're getting totally off topic here, but the thing that takes me off about that is where where's the outrage on where's the outrage coming from the media? Let me tell you something. If it was reversed, you know, because here's the thing, you know, if Trump was really a white supremacist. That, that they're all trying to say, and let's say if I was a white supremacist, you know, you know, but they keep saying, oh, what, Trump's a white supremacist, right? Would he, you know what he'd be doing right now? If he was a white supremacist, he'd say, F you, South government of South America. You're killing white people over there. Guess what, you SOB? I'm going to send some troops down there, and I'm going to stop your ass from taking these farmers' uh, stuff because I'm going to support these farmers with U.S. military. F you. So if he was really a white supremacist, let me tell you something. If I was a white supremacist and I was the president of the United States and I seen that shit happen in South America, do you know what? I'm going to send 10,000 troops South America, to South, South America, America and I'm going to say, I'm going to stop you MFers from doing that and I'm going to kill you if you guys try to take over these farms. That's what I do. I mean, that's what you white supremacists do, right? They use, they use violence. You're talking about yeah. South Africa, Bob. Well, South Africa, that's what I meant. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, South yeah, South Africa, I mean, that's what a true white I mean, that's what a true uh, white well, supremacist. They don't believe just white power in the United States. That's white power everywhere in the world. And they're they're killing white farmers. So I I'd be like, you know, screw you, I'm gonna bring special ops or I'm gonna have you know, I'm gonna send troops to keep you guys from doing that because you're killing white. That's, yeah, but that's the way the world. That's the way the world works. When at one time, no, but what I'm went, saying is that Trump, yeah, I know Trump if he was, was a white supremacist, uh, then he would actually send troops over did. there, right, under some kind of guise of humanitarian effort or something like that. I know, but uh, he's a white. He's a white nationalist, being that he's white, and he's for America. He's a patriot. I hope he's a patriot. I mean. This guy would be the perfect Trojan horse. I mean, everybody's against him, but everybody loves him, and everybody hates him at the same time. He's like the J.R. Ewing of politics, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say, yeah, because he's white, get his white, but I would yeah. really call him a white nationalist. I mean, so he's a white nationalist. You know, <laughs> people who are, there are black nationalists, white nationalists, and Spanish nationalists, and Asian nationalists. I'm not talking in their respective countries. I'm talking about. Chinese Americans, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans here, who are nationalists, who are for America. I'm for America. At least the ideology of it, the philosophy of it, the theory of it, um, because America is a great democratic republic. Except for our, I could have written a, uh, a better constitution. That Article One, Section Eight, that General Welfare Clause, always sticks in my craw. I don't mm. like that. I don't like that article at all. <laughs> that gives Congress too much power. They can do anything they want and say it's for the general welfare of the people. I wish that clause was eliminated. But other than that, and the um, there's an article on Section 7. What's the name of it? It's the um, it's Commerce Clause. I think it's called the Commerce Clause. Same thing. Yeah. Regulate, yeah, regulation of commerce. 
That's mm-hmm. another clause that they use. They would try to use it to support abortion, but anyway. Again, it's been totally off topic. And uh, I think I see Kelly on the line, who's also from California. Uh, not ready to chime in, but that would be interesting to see what his thoughts are on whether he thinks Trump uh, can That'd be interesting. Yeah, t- take I California. Yeah. I think it's yeah. possible if he gets over there and starts highlighting, you know, all, all the problems and say, look, you know, a lot of this is the same uh, problem. I don't you know. know. There's so many immigrants over there. They wouldn't understand what he's talking about anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> but, the, but the legal immigrants, the illegal immigrants, they want them. And speaking of Kelly, oh, yeah. let's go ahead and bring, let's yeah. go ahead and bring Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Trump's numbers are, to my understanding, are going up yeah. among uh, legal oh, yeah. immigrants and, and Hispanics. Right. But let's go ahead and bring in, in Kelly from Eastern California. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm uh, I'm pretty good. We actually have a little bit of rain in California. Just some sprinkles here in the North State. It doesn't happen very much. And actually, it's a rather scary thing because then it starts fires. The uh, yeah, um, and it's amazing how the uh, this year there haven't been too many fires going. Um, so, but you know, Trump did a thing with the fires. I think I mentioned this before, but before uh, with Obama. Uh, another California wildfire, another California wildfire, the Napa fire, the Lake County fire, then you got Southern California. Well, FEMA would just write a check to good old Jerry Brown, i.e., in the state of California, and then they would just put that in the slush fund. And they were supposed to pay people with it. Well, Trump, after the Paradise Fire last year, 14,000 homes, biggest fire, most number of homes in California lost. Um, they kind of showed up, okay, FEMA, write us a slush fund check, and Trump said no. No, not going to do that. I'm a, and so FEMA wrote check to counties, to cities, and to individuals. And no people have got a $25,000 check directly from FEMA. So isn't that interesting? You know, it's a nice little slush fund thing. And we just haven't seen many fires this year in the North State. Tell it. Paul and Angela, that's, that could be an accident, a coincidence, uh, you know. It's just and he made it clean up all the forestry, remember, all the all the stuff that was burning. He said, well, what do you expect? You're not cleaning up the forestry. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to burn. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you're not bringing the, uh, if you're not building fire lines like you're supposed to tell you, are, are the wildfires still there in California or, or have they been put out? Well, um, there's fires every year all throughout California. And, um, but this year it's way, and, and, and hearing complaints from, uh, forest Service workers who put out fires as well as Cal Fire, and California firefighters. Anyway, Cal Fire, they, they just haven't been called to fires this year. They're all just waiting to get on these fires, and they're just not happening. All right, well, good, good. So, but they, we have them still. I mean, isolated here, isolated there, and then even if they think they got it out, they keep people there for a week or so after, just in case mm-hmm. um, smoldering or smoldering roots will pick up again. It's the strangest thing. There's like you know, I got a buddy who's been. I get you know several people, but one of them, he was telling me that lightning would strike a, a rock. And uh, you know why doesn't lightning strike the Capitol building in Sacramento? Anyway, so lightning will strike a rock, and sometimes three, four, five days later, the heat will work its way down to the ground and start a fire. No so, kidding. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah it's bizarre. Uh, it's an anomaly, yeah, for sure. Didn't yeah. know that at all. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, all my buddy told me that with the Lake County fire, um, Cal Fire gets funding 
state and federal based on how many homes. Mm-hmm. It could have let it backfire and stopped it in Lake County. This is years ago. The conditions were right, but higher ups uh, on Cal Fire said nope, and so it wouldn't light the backfire. It went across the road, burned another thousand homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deliberate. Damn. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm just like it, anyway. But um, and we were just talking about uh, reparations. I'm I'm totally totally confused about reparations. I've been studying British history. Well, the, yeah, there were different. Uh, go ahead. Well, the uh, I find this amusing because I can't figure out the reparations here. Because what we have here, if you know the Vikings, they conquered uh, at one time two thirds of Great Britain. They went into Germany. They went into uh, France. In fact, Normandy, France, was pretty much a Viking outpost settlement. Dublin, Ireland, was established by the Irish. They even went as far as Greece. The Vikings were freaking amazing, constant people. Anyway, in 1066, this, if you study British history, that's really the the Norman Conquest, William the Conqueror. Okay, supposedly after King Edward the Confessor of England died. Um, he didn't have any heirs, and apparently three, peop- three people had uh, uh, claim to the English throne. There was uh, Harold Godwinson, who was English, which, by the way, he was part Viking anyway because of the heritage. So you had King uh, Harold Godwinson. He was king for nine months, appointed by all the noblemen. They agreed because Edward the Confessor had no no heir to the throne. At the same time, you had William the Conqueror out of Norman France. He eventually won in the Battle of Hastings. And then you got Harold Hardrada, the king of Norway, and I believe Norway and Sweden. He said, oh, no, I was promised to be king. No, I was promised to be king. No, I was promised. And they're all freaking Vikings. <laughs> or they had part they had Viking blood. So Harold Godwinson defeated uh, King Hardrada, uh, but lost to King William William the Conqueror. Okay, so you got Vikings killing Vikings killing Vikings over the control of England. So where are the reparations there? I, I'm I'm absolutely totally confused. <laughs> well, um, I'm totally confused. The entire <laughs> world is based upon conquest. I mean, if you, there are very few nations on it that you can point to that have any of their original indigenous people. Everybody was mixed with somebody else because of the conquerings that went on. At one time, England um, either colonized or visited 90% of the known world at that time. So if you want to have reparations, people are going to have to go back and search the genealogy for many, many cousins. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be a Herculean task. But um, other than that... You know, I'm kind of interested in uh, when you're finished, Kelly, and hearing Bob's theory about how, how Trump can win California, because I, I think there's too many immigrants there as an obstacle. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I, I want to hear the theory because I don't believe Trump can win California. I mean, unless unless um, there is some horrific criminal enterprise that he cleans up and. High power people go to jail. I mean, like last show we talked about Epstein and all his connections and Clinton and da da da. Okay, if there is some massive, massive corruption that occurred and a bunch of people go to jail, 
Um, yeah, the uh, that would be a chance. But you know, I I vote Libertarian in California because I know the state's going to go Democrat. All the presidential electoral college votes are going to a Democrat. Doesn't matter who the Democrat is, it's the way it is. So I just vote third party. Absolutely, it's they're just going to go inside the poll and just pull the switch Democrat. Don't even know who's who the candidate is. Well, yeah. No, I disagree. I live here in California too, and I've I got a different sense here in Southern California. Uh, Kelly's at one end of the spectrum, and I'm at the other end of the spectrum, uh, close to San Diego and the border. But I, there are a lot of Californians. I would say more than half. And when you look at the state and you break it down by counties and cities, you see that there are a lot of red areas. But because again the corruption, the cheating, and so forth. But I think people will show out to the polls because we're just sick and tired of Governor Brown, Democrat ways. And, I mean, not Brown, Brown, what, I knew some. And I think that um, that once we get Trump into office in 2020, people will feel empowered to, to go for that removal of Newsom. But, you know, otherwise, well, if they the, don't, yeah, then... What's the population in California as a whole? I mean, if 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 it's like 45% immigrants and 55% um, non-immigrants, I don't know. It's going to be kind of rough. Well, okay, so that would be illegal immigrants and immigrants. I would have yeah. to break that down too, because right. the the actual immigrants, people who have immigrated from Mexico and South America and other countries as well, but we're mainly concentrated here with with South America and Mexico. Those people are fed up and they're frustrated and they're angry. And so there are a lot of Latinos for Trump here in California. And, um, <laughs> and they're but voicing that, it all over Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and that walk away movement. Which is a good thing. But there was, but right now, and especially in California, they, what they want to do is they want to make sure that the, um, the illegals, as soon as they come over here, as newcomers, as Pelosi likes to, <laughs> like to call them, We'll yeah. have the uh, we'll have the right to vote without being a citizen for longer than two minutes. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, not only that, but they want to give them the health care. You just yeah. go ahead and find that thing. And so, yeah, people are not happy. Actual Americans and immigrants, or American immigrants. Yeah, I think they're going to come out to the polls and vote Trump. Oh yeah, wasn't that beautiful with the Democratic um, convention when Maddow made a, made her fateful mistake, which probably cost her her contract. Of asking the people on stage, how many of you would give the legals um, free health care? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. Oh, that was terrific. <laughs> and they all raised their hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a commercial come summer. Come, oh, come yeah. summer 2020, oh, that's yeah. going to be a commercial. <laughs> and well, Mano's ratings what, what, are, are I'm, fifth I'm place right what now. Her ratings are fifth place right now, and I think when a contract comes up, I don't think people are going to CNN is going to sign her <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so what, what I can't, I, I, I can't stand her. But, but well, my, my thought is, is you know, one, it's, that the Democrats, I, they, I think they ignore California because they think, okay, that's that's a good, a good rap, chunk yeah. of electoral college votes. We don't even have to go there. But if Trump actually was to go to California and go to rallies, I mean, yeah, you'd have to go to, you know, maybe some county, you know, counties or whatever that, you know, are, are mm-hmm. more, you know, leaning towards him. But, I mean, if he goes and he does rallies and, you know, he, the, 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 I mean, I don't want to say the most presidential he could be, but 
you know, I mean, but, and he can do it because I've seen it, you know, and, I, and right. I've been to a number of his rallies. I mean, if he could be, you know, be there and then point out, say, look at your cities. Look at the, what the Democratic Party has done to your cities and your people. And if he outlines that and then maybe makes a comparison to other cities that might be run by, you know, Republicans or states run by Republicans, say, this is what the Republican Party can do for your city, can do for your state, you know, can do for your country, you know, mm-hmm. to make it where he's not just running, you know, hey, vote for me. He's actually running for the whole ticket saying, hey, what do you get to lose? Just like just like you did, a, you know, a focus on the nation, you know, mm-hmm. look what the politicians for the last 40 years have done for you. What do you got to lose if you get, you know, if you vote for somebody who's not a, not a career politician? Use the same message in California and say, what do you got to lose? Look at where you're at now. Can it get much worse? I mean, you're in a city that's got typhoid. I mean, typhoid in the United States. You know I mean? What, yeah. uh, you, know, go, you know, go to those cities and if he highlights that, I think he's got an opportunity there. Yeah, I agree. And I like the fact that, you know, how many Californians left and basically the ones that are still here are probably here because they can't afford to move. And so, yeah, what have they got to lose? Did uh, did you guys see the Sean Hannity? Uh, he did a, a three-part series on homeless, and he kept focusing on California. And there are literally it, it, whole streets in, uh, like, for city block length or two or three. Anyway, in L.A., where the homeless are taking over, and they're just sleeping on the sidewalks. So what about the businesses? The businesses are closed. I mean, yeah. it's so bad. The street cleaner comes through once a week, and but they tell the guys ahead of him, look, go live on the other side of the street because tomorrow we're going through the street cleaner. And, of course, it's feces and urine and needles. And so they do that once a week this side and then the next uh, side of the street the next week. Santa Cruz, same problem. They uh, The city decided to uh, donate a park, not donate, but let the homeless take over a park. So the health department goes through. They scoop up feces and needles and all sorts of who know trash. Oh my gosh, L.A. I'm probably I see that you see in San Diego up here in Lyrica. We're in the north state, only half hour from Oregon border, and uh, it, it's mind blowing. Every time I go, I see a homeless person. Hey, you got some change? You got some change? You know, in a quarter or two, I'll be fine. You see them everywhere. At Reading, it's insane. Okay, Reading, Sacramento, yeah. they're spending uh, tens of millions of dollars on on a homeless shelter. And uh, San Francisco, somebody put a, every every place where there's been excrement found on the sidewalk. And so you saying you can look it up in in, in the in in on on Google. You'll find it where everybody wherever there was an excrement spot, human spot, they put a little dot, and then and the the whole map of San Francisco, you can't see anything because these little little dots. It, of course, it's overblown, you know, but. It, it, it's just like everywhere. All and so, and San Francisco was one of the most beautiful cities, used to be, in the whole world. Just it's so unique and so beautiful. But their tourism just went down to nothing. And uh, the businesses in Santa Cruz, they donate this park. Businesses were furious. It's only like a block from downtown. And Santa Cruz is another beautiful tourist spot. Mm-hmm. It, it's mind blowing. Um, so you know, yeah, the rural counties pretty much the Sierras. Um, the Central Valley, which is from, well, you can say Fresno, but 
uh, Fresno, Sacramento, all the way up to Reading, that's the Central Valley. Very conservative. The Sierras, very conservative counties. And so no wonder why there's like 22 counties saying they wrote either by vote by the county supervisors or by a county referendum. 22 counties said, look, Sacramento, we're done. We want out. We want to be our own state. So you have the conservative vote, but you don't have the mass numbers because you know, the Bay Area is like five, five to six million people. L.A. area, um, I don't know how many millions are there. Pretty much the population dominates the rural areas. Um, so that's the way it is, especially now in 2020. Um, I'm starting to get calls for homes, and I'll get slammed from now till the first of the year because people – want to get a permit, a building permit, because in 2020, if you want a new house, you have to have solar panels. There goes 10000 15000 with gouging uh-huh. $20,000. And people are going to be furious. Just furious. Like, what? I didn't know this. I'm going to spend another twenty, you know, $10,000, $20,000 on solar panels. I'll be fine without it. No, you have to. Thou shalt do this. This is how much California government has gotten into people's faces and lives. I know locals here. Oh, my God. Me, I was talking to a lady friend. She's like, yeah, I know a bunch of people, too. They're going to Idaho. They're done. I mean, John was his name, local. He, he said, I'm done. I'm moving to Idaho. Another John. I'm moving to Washington. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, all new housing after 2020, anything built in 2020 and after, have to have that panel or a solar panel. You know, you've got in Los Angeles, they just – I, it was about a month or so ago. Because of the way the rent is, you know, their family's parents are still working, mom and dad are still working, or mom's working, or whatever. But somebody's working, it's just they can't afford the rent. So they end up getting evicted, and when they get evicted, now they have nowhere to go. Um, and so they, they'll sleep in their cars, okay? They'll have their suburbans or whatever that they're sleeping in. And so they don't want to park in downtown Los Angeles anywhere, but they have to be close to schools and work. So they were starting to park in residential areas, and Los Angeles said, no, can't do that anymore. So they weren't bothering anybody, but the residents were getting, you know, nervous. You have these people, you know, starting to park along the curb there. You don't know who they are, and they're setting up their vehicle, you know, for the night and so forth. And um, and so they had designated parking areas for people to park in um, that, you know, had some type of lighting or whatever because it was a, a parking lot. Um, there were 11 of them, and now they're down to, I think, two, and they only hold 60 cars, these parking lots. And so what what, what happens to the rest of the people that were filling up the rest of the 11? You know, they have to sign you up. Mean the, you mean the safe parking? Room. The safe parking where you can do yeah, the safe yeah. areas where you can live in your car? Yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. now there's a waiting list for that for people with their families to, to be able to park there. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's so disgusting and sad. So, yeah. yeah, we yeah we got clean air and clean water from all the environmental policies, and then you see all the dirty, grimy, non-showered homeless people walking <laughs> the streets. I mean, you know. <laughs> I worry about plastic bottles on the damn airplane. Come on, and <laughs> at the airport, please. <laughs> it's so it's so sad. It's laughable. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've volunteered a lot of time in the homeless shelter here, and I care about these people, but my gosh, it's only getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and that's my point. I mean, it does keep getting worse. So, you know, again, it could go in and be like, 
you know, what, what do you got to lose? I mean, you know, he, he went around, you know, in, in 2016 and, and chimed that in. And I think, I think that could really resonate with people in, uh, in California. I've got this article you mentioned in LA, um, you know, where it's not along with the other one. I didn't even finish it. If you, if you like to uh, read more of the articles, of course, you could find it at the uh, Bard's Logic. John will get you in. Uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Um, but here's uh, an article here again you can find on the newsroom. It says, uh, L.A. residents fed up with officials. They either bring it uh, to the officials. Uh, fed up with officials demand change after homeless crisis spirals in the city. Um, this is Los Angeles, and the stale stench of liquor and human waste that hits that hits you first. Then it's visual, row after row of dirty tarp tents cramped. Now this ain't San Francisco. This is L.A. Uh, cramped together on the sidewalk next to piles of rotting trash and broken appliances. There are half-dressed, drugged-out shells of people wandering aimlessly in the middle of the streets. Some curse at cars, others just stare. There are fights, prostitution, and rodent burrows. This is the fabled Skid Row in Los Angeles, and it's a disaster. Like several West Coast cities, uh, Fox News listed, Los Angeles is dealing with a homeless crisis. Uh, un- however, unlike the East Coast L.A., and it can't hide all of its homeless and shelters are low-income housing. Failed deliberate policies coupled with decades of neglect and mismanagement have t- turned an old problem into a modern-day nightmare. Some uh, fear the city of angels is at the point of no return and are angry at elected officials who, can't, who talk big game but rarely deliver. I don't want to see them on camera anymore, Markeisha Barbs, uh, who lives on Skid Row as a te- lived on Skid Road as a teenager, told Fox News. I don't want them to write any more articles about how much they care, how much they're trying to change things. I want to see them do it. And that's the thing. That's saying Trump could say, say, look, you know that things get now. He has to get done every, everything, and you know the Democrats would point that out. But there has been some things that he said he's going to do, or at least try to do. Okay, that the uh, you know that he could at least put to, to this, and they could listen to the conference and stuff like that. You know, so that's another point he can make. And then it says across the state, officials have long lamented the horrors of homelessness while failing to pass any meaningful legislation. Homeless advocates accuse those, and he could say, um, you know, I could speak from the bully, you know, bully pulpit of the pulpit of being the president, and I could get these things done for you, or I can, you know, try to push these, you know, people along, blah blah blah. Um, homeless advocates accuse those in charge of using the crisis to further their own political aspirations and manipulating an environment that allows them to dodge accountability. Uh, the best we could get out of those elected uh, to deal with problems are sound bites. Pete White, the founder of the Los Angeles Community Action Network, told Fox News. Soundbites that say it's a humanitarian crisis and that we have to do something, only to see that something be neither nothing or pathways to criminalization. Says California accounts for most of the country's homeless population. Despite throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at the problem, the number of homeless in Los Angeles County has risen for the third time in four years. The most recent count released in June by the Los Angeles County Homeless Services Authority shows that there are nearly 60,000 homeless people living without permanent shelters on any given night. In the city of Los Angeles, the number of homeless in 2019 jumped 60% to 36,000, while the number of chronically homeless 
of those who have been living on the streets for more than a year rose by 17%. A staggering three-quarters of the state homeless populated in is unsheltered. The silvery statistic comes after two voter-approved tax hikes <laughs> and a $619 million effort last year to tackle the problem through social services and new housing. And, of course, these are housing that want to give to illegal immigrants, which he can also point out uh, that maybe if we weren't spending so much money on these illegals, then perhaps we can actually use the money for our own citizens. Uh, this is the latest upt- uh, uptick in numbers from the dra- dramatic press releases, anguish- anguished editorials, and a ton of finger-pointed pointing by elected officials. In the merry-go-round of blame, local officials claim the state isn't doing enough. California's governor says it's Washington's fault for slashing federal funds, and President Trump responds by taking aim at the Democrats' governing skills. California is a disgrace to our country, Trump said during an August campaign rally in Ohio. Hey, wait a minute. I was there when he said that. It's a shame. The world is looking at it. Look at Los Angeles with the tents and the horrible, horrible, disgusting conditions. Uh, well, I actually played an audio because I was at that rally in Ohio, and uh, I do have an episode where you can hear the entire rally and it's um, on the podcast, but I think that was two, three weeks ago. Uh, that I played that. So that's something that's available. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. Um, you can also find it. Uh, there's a, a Castbox, I think it's called, is it, an app that you can get on your on your phone where you, you can find Bard's Logic Little Top as, a, as an app on the app where you can play the podcast. There's you know a podcast player you can you can search for Bard's Logic Little Talk and you'll be able to find it. Be able to listen to it on your smartphone. Um, and, of course, you have us here at Log Talk Radio, uh, where you can find all the archives as well. But anyway, it says, several Angelinos, <laughs> that's funny, Angelinos, Fox News, spoke to agree and say they're frustrated by the pace of progress. It looks like things are getting worse, not better, Whitney Beard, a worker at a coffee shop in downtown L.A., told Fox News, we've been hearing the same thing on the loop for years. Uh, things were supposed to change in November when California Democrats scored the trifecta of legislative wins, both of both houses of government and the governorship, with two-thirds of the vote, uh, votes likely in place and Governor Gavin Newsom's pledge to make housing a priority, there was optimism in the air. That ended with Democrats struggling to get on the same page and pass legislation uh, that would have increased I guess the background noise coming from somebody. Can you mute your mic or whatever? Um, uh, they also blew another high-profile measure that would increase residential development near transit strokes and in single-family neighborhoods. Since other failures were chalked up to a division among special interest groups and a hands-off approach by the governor's office, though he denies it. Uh, Barbara? Yeah, i got to find out where that... Um, that's going through. I apologize for muting Mike. We're going to find out where that's coming from. Okay, I think it might be you, that. Hey, Robert. No, nope. was me. Sorry. I have no idea where that's coming from. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. That was me. Oh, that's okay. Um, and then, um, and then, and then the article goes on. And again, you can find that. At uh, the Bard's Logic Political Talk website, uh, the newsroom page. Um, now, it does have here, it says the Democrat, and I'll just last sentence I'll have here, but 
So the Democratic mayor who has been flirting with a 2020 presidential run came under scrutiny for not treating the homeless problem with enough urgency, urgency, blah, blah, blah. But again, you can find the rest. But let's go ahead and bring in John. Um, thank you very much, John, for coming on the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine, Robert. It sounds like everybody's doing well. And, um, you know, I kind of think that when it comes to trying to win California, Trump, in my humble opinion, now, first of all, let me say something else really quick. Um, C-SPAN, you guys know, you've heard me say this several times before, I keep in touch with C-SPAN a lot because I like the fact that I get to hear a lot of the stuff right off of the session floor from the horse's mouth. And, you know, back on the uh, 30th of July, they had a migration at the U.S. Southern Border Conference with some Democrats and Republicans there. And then uh, back on the the 1st of August, they had an immigration and asylum legislation um, program that they talked. And there was both Democrats and Republicans there. But they seemed to always be led up and pushed, really, by Democrats. The um, the um, Republicans just kind of seemed to be passively there because one of the Democrats were issuing a bill, and now the Republicans want to be there to dispute it. And then back on July the 31st, they had a Medica- Medicare for All proposal. And then um, just within the last day... Oh, real, real quick, John, uh, John, real quick. Real quick, someone's got a TV or a radio or something on, because that's what I'm hearing in the background. I don't know who that is. If someone's got a TV or a radio or something in the background, I think that's what I'm hearing. Um, so uh, if you could mute the phone or, or turn down the TV or radio, sorry about that, but I can hear it. I'm, I'm, I was trying to mute different mics, but I couldn't pinpoint it. But uh, I, did, I, I, did, I did hear that it, was, it sounded like a TV again or a radio in the background. Um, I don't hear any more, so thank you. <laughs> but uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I like to use. Oh, I hear it again, but go ahead, John. As I can when I'm not talking. But um, I just noticed too. Um, back on the 14th. Now I just noticed this like yesterday. But there was a show that was um, back on the 14th of uh, August that was combating homelessness. And Rep. Maxine Waters, the you know, Democrat out of California, she's pushing a bill on that issue. And the, the sad part of it is, what the portion, I think I watched the whole thing as best I could. You know, I'm trying to multitask all the time, so I'm not, not always able to just focus solely on that. I try to keep balls bouncing. But anyway, I did not recall a single Republican or independent in that meeting at all. Everybody that I ever seen or heard or anything about, and I was listening while I was doing other stuff, was all Democrats. And they're putting forth bills to deal with this stuff and climate control, too, and psychological whatever, this and that, for all these gun laws and stuff. The Democrats are pushing hard on this stuff. And that's why I'm always thinking, man, Trump is either being fed a bunch of nonsense from the people around him or he's not paying attention or he's in on some kind of play that he's playing us or he's just being played and he doesn't realize it because he needs, like you guys are, I think, trying to say, he needs to get ahead of these issues. And I would suggest President Trump go down into the doggone places where these tent cities and these people are Get a bunch of news conference people to be there, too, and have him talking to the actual homeless people and, and saying, you know, this is because think about it. Most of these 
people that are homeless and in these situations, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, are Democrat-leaning people, liberal, left-minded, you know, hey, sex, let me have as much drugs as I want and stuff kind of attitude. But some of them get are caught up in the situation of life that threw them into that position, and they, you know, got, like, you got the paradise burned out. You know, from the fires and stuff, displaced a lot of people, and then they ended up homeless and not having the family resources or other friends and, and extended groups of people that could support them to get back on their feet. So if Trump's right there in the middle of them talking to them and saying, you know, hey, look, the Democrats keep wanting to let more foreigners come in here, and they're competing for the jobs that you could be having. And you guys don't have to live like this in this situation. If you got up and voted, you could help me win, and I could help stop those migrants from coming into the country, and that will force the multinational corporations to have to pick from you guys that are already here in America as opposed to try to bring more people from you know other foreign nations in here to replace you. And then the Democrats are always fighting me in the darn uh, Congress, not allowing me to help – change things to make it easier for you guys to actually, you know, govern yourselves and get out on your own and do this stuff. So they're allowing the corporate entities to use technology and stuff to monitor and track and surveil you guys. So therefore, when you go to work, you know, try to apply for a job, you can't force them to interview you. You can't force them to hire you. And they use all this data mining and spying and, and, uh, you know, dragonfly type technology to find out what you're like and if you your particular psychological position is not to allow them to be the leftist global controlling faction that they want to be like you might be conservative minded or you may be liberal but more from a traditional classic liberal mind and so therefore they don't want you to work for them so they don't interview you and don't hire you and then that pushes you out on the streets so if you would actually, you know, I'm I'm just kind of freewheeling this because I didn't know you were going to bring this up, and I'm thinking Trump could actually get a lot of people voting for him if he showed that kind of emphasis, but he gets hung up on all this other stuff that the media and his little group of people around him are telling him, and so he doesn't fight the issue at the root of really what the problem is. And it's the same thing with the background checks and whatnot. You know, it's it just blows me away. But that's just my one idea to help, you know, see how Trump could actually make this thing transition to where he could get more people voting for him. And, hey, people, you vote for me, and we're, I'm trying to restore you guys, the forgotten men, to have your constitutional rights to self-govern. And you know right now, anytime you go up against any authority in government, whether it be city, county, state, or otherwise, they act like they're your masters. You are the masters. You should be able to control everything that goes on in your life. And the, the Congress and stuff, Democrats and even some Republicans are fighting me to stop you from being able to have your power back. And I need you to help come out and vote for me so we can get you your power back and you can truly self-govern yourself and not allow them to railroad you like this. And then leave it up to we the people like the churches or people in the regular sector to not use government tax dollars, but to actually go in and help these people get back on their feet again and give them the right to first right of refusal to the jobs and whatnot are here as opposed to letting the foreigners come in. I don't want to go. I'm, 
I want to go into a long diatribe because this is all just a step for a takedown. I'm telling you, man, there's a whole lot more to this. I wish I had time to explain to you, but this is your show, and I'm trying to be respectful. So back to you, Robert. Thank you. Oh, no, as always, I appreciate that. Uh, Appreciate that, John. Hey, Robert? Yeah, go ahead. So some might say Trump could win California. I mean, I mentioned if corruption is exposed, that could happen. But if everything is normal, what's going to happen is, well, a lot of the Trump voters are moving to other states. So I don't know how California can be won when, you know, Texas will go stronger Trump. Colorado might have a shift, actually, to Trump because all the mass exodus from California to Colorado or Texas or Idaho, etc. Um, and another issue with the uh, illegals flooding the country, California is very friendly, of course. Give them an ID, which was years ago, and they want to do free housing or free uh, health care in California. All sorts of benefits, benefits, okay, fine. But there's a huge impact of the illegals in California, and they're not just taking some jobs. They're taking they got to live somewhere. They are taking the housing and jacking up the prices. So one could put an argument together that the reason why there's so much homeless in California is because of so many illegals coming in, MS-13, and who knows how else they're making their money. They put an incredible demand on housing. So are the two related? Very possible. 30% of the nation's homeless is in California. Part of that is just because the weather is so pleasant, if you will, comparatively. If you want to be homeless, go to California. Go to Southern Cal. Um, and we've seen an increase. We got started. It's called the Beacon of Hope, Beacon of Hope Gospel Rescue Mission. In 2014, for our first season, the 2015-2016 season, uh, we went out and did a survey. We found like 60-plus homeless. Okay. Uh, a couple years later, the county decides, oh, we're going to solve this problem. How are you going to do it? And they're going to take a survey. Okay, whatever, government. And uh, they found a 90-plus, and we know there's got to be at least 100. Last year's survey came out 160. So we're seeing the numbers, and our first one wasn't complete. I'll admit that. But, you know, we're in the 60s, 70s, and you go up into the 90s, at least 100, because not, not all homeless take the survey, to 160. I mean, and this is kind of a small town. So it's been skyrocketing, the number of homeless. It's just, you know, I don't blame people for leaving. And so once again, the Trump voters are leaving. I I don't know how. It'll be interesting when it all plays out, see what happens with California. I mean, Nixon, before Watergate, he won all 50 states. He did some absolutely amazing things. Um made peace with Russia and China, kind of ended the Cold War, um, opened up trade, negotiations, all sorts of things. Trump did, uh, Nixon, President Nixon did some amazing things before Watergate was discovered. I mean, these are the kinds of things that Trump would have to do absolutely stunningly to win California. Um, I just, I just, I can't see it. I mean, I'd be glad to be wrong, but I, I can't see how Trump can win California in 2020. Well, I yeah, guess the uh, 
the consensus is against me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, is it probable? No, but I mean, I still think it's possible. But I, I can see the consent. Well, I, I think. Um, well, let me count here. I, I think I know. Uh, Joe, you said no way, and then uh, I've got myself, and then Suzette. Suzette says maybe. Kelly knows. That's kind of two and two. So, John, I think you're going to be our, our our tiebreaker here. Can Trump possibly take California? <laughs> Like I said, it's a big maybe if he can actually do some of the things that I suggested. And he know, he knows better than any of us his circumstances, the situation. And I, I appreciate Kelly bringing up what he said about the um, real estate issue because if my memory serves me right, uh, one of the C-SPAN Washington Journal things on Wednesday the 14th of August this year, they had a deal on opportunity zones. There was a lady... Uh, Morgan Simon or Simon or something like that, if I remember right. But um, if 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 I remember correctly, they, somebody called in during the show and actually said something to that same that Kelly was saying about how well, so many of uh, the foreigners are coming into the uh, community and renting or buying up the property that the housing is so expensive. You know, people can't hardly get anything decent price. Right, that's what that article, the first article read, uh, yeah. So, uh, in, in addition to what I was sharing and what Kelly just shared, I think it's a it's a big maybe. I know this much. Donald Trump, what do you got to lose? Might as well try. Here, here. No, no, that's, I mean, here, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I said, I mean... Hello. Go ahead. Oh, I'm here. Yeah, I thought somebody else was jumping in, so I paused out. Well, I might as well jump in since uh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, go ahead. We have heard from for, for a little bit there, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he can win it. I hope he does win it. Whether or not he does, who knows? I think it's going to be up to um, the um, the number of illegals in California versus the uh, the number of other people in California who are natural-born Americans or um, uh, naturalized citizens. But if he does go over there and he starts doing his um, his show, because he knows how to put on a rally, and he visits them two or three times during the campaign, I think it's, um, <laughs> I'm going to use John's word, it's, um, it's a huge maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's got to, because, I mean, and again, if he, if he shows up there, if he shows up there, and you know, whoever becomes the presidential candidate doesn't, and of course I think once they see Trump do it, they will. Uh, but then by then, see, that's why I think he's got to go there first. I think he needs to start going there first because then, you know, if the Democrats start doing it and people can look at the history of, you know, how often, if any, that the Democrats actually did go to California, then people are like, okay, well, the only reason why the Democrats are doing it now, and he can even point that out and say, see, I came here first. I showed my support for you guys first, um, and now that I'm here, well, you know, now he wants to, uh, you know, now they're now they're coming. You know what I mean? Or they're doing uh, rallies here. So I think it's important for him to get on the ball and do it first. Yeah, because then he, I mean, then he can also use that. See, I came here before the whoever. Well, well, let's look at another factor. Let's, you know, there's over 20 congressmen going to Mexico to campaign. <laughs> so if they're campaigning in another country... Oh, my gosh. What was that? Can you repeat that? What was that? 
There's over 20 congressmen planning, or congressional candidates, sorry, planning to campaign in Mexico. Oh, my Democrats. God, that's ridiculous. You haven't heard this yet? Oh, my gosh, Robert. Yeah, well, look it up on your internet. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, but just, yeah, that, that, just there. So while they're away, maybe Trump would have a chance in California. <laughs> I'm just laughing, it, you know. I, I can't believe they're actually awful. going to. I mean, what are they, what are they going to be? I mean, what do they think they're doing? I mean, they, I mean. Well, they're, they're not even see, that, Well, that, that's great. Know, no, that's great news. Send me some information on that because that is great news. And you know, here I didn't know I that, so I bet a lot of people didn't know that. So I'm telling you, I think that, that uh, people yeah. need to get yeah. out there because I think that, I think that could be huge. Hey, Suzette, can you look that up on the internet? Um, but I'm like, you know, if, if they're all, if they're not campaigning much in California and Trump shows up, he might, uh, you know, it's possible, not probable. Oh, that'd be great. I'm, see, I'm, yeah, see, look, see, look who they're pandering to. I mean, they're they're campaigning in Mexico. What does that tell you who they were? Ooh, see, there's a line, and you heard, you might have heard this here on Bard's Logic. We'll see. But here's a line for Trump then, Okay. Look who's uh, running in Mexico, the Democrats. That's just, you know, they're, I'm paraphrasing, of course, I have to clean it up, but they, you know, look, they are showing who they truly represent. Look at the Democrats. They're showing you who they truly represent, you know, and then have them down there, and if the video will be a part of a clip of them campaigning in Mexico. Oh, my gosh, that would be a wildfire. The people are pissed off. There's a lot of people who are out there saying, like, look, you know, and I'm one of them, saying the Democrats are showing more support and showing they care more about or, or wanting to, you know, represent, really, the, the, the illegals, the non-citizens, you know, that are in this country, hell, even outside this country. And for them to go and campaign outside the United States and Mexico, oh, that, I mean, seriously, that's a campaign ad. Willing, I mean, you know, a way need to be made. And it doesn't matter whether they're even uh, running for president or not. It's just that it's a Democrat politician campaigning in Mexico. Like, look, you're not, you're not a representative of the world. Just like I think one of the things Trump said was, you know, I'm not here to be the president of the world, you know, like Obama tried to be. I'm here to, tr- I'm here to be the president of the United States. That's what, that's what Trump, you know, wants to do. But these guys, it's like, you, do you want to be the world's representative or you want to be, you know, the, the representative of the constituents that you expect to vote you in? God, I hope they do that. I, I want to get audio. And then, that's a, again, that's a commercial waiting to happen. Well, when they start doing it, somebody's going to film them. I hope Suzette had, uh, can uh, quickly find this on the Internet. But, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, what? Well, I'm not surprised. See, but Robert, you don't understand the justification. They're on a mission. The Democrats have to get control of our government because the world is going to end in 10 years from global warming. So oh, that's right. about the woman? Yeah. We've got to save all of mankind. They're on a mission. They're on a purpose. Well, see, <laughs> they should fund NASA so that we could get to Mars and to the moon and Mars. If they, you know, if they want to try to save, you know, save mankind. I mean, if the world's doomed in 10 years, we better start getting our asses to the moon, getting our asses to Mars, because we're not, we're, the, the planet's not going to be any li- more livable than they are. 
Now, I know right. on a was, different show, I heard, I'm not sure if I've seen it on C-SPAN or if it was just on a different show, I heard that um, Cory Booker was actually going to one of these little get-togethers, I don't know if it was right on the border or right on the other side of the border, and he actually supposedly brought back a few as a part of yes. his party whenever he came back into uh-huh. America, and that old Rourke, he supposedly went and told him, that when you when you get across into the states, don't forget to vote for me. That, I don't know wow. if that was somebody just being funny or what. Now, no, other, that, that actually, that to my understanding, that actually happened. I don't know about the voting part, but I, I heard it actually happened for. Uh, that I heard that actually happened in uh, uh, where he went down there. Yeah, I've seen something on that. Cory Booker. Yeah, them were the only two I heard anything to, but I don't know if that was legit or not. Now, one other concern I have in respect to the 2020 election and Donald Trump, whether he wins California or not, is this aspect about the Republican National Committee or whatever having no um, debates. I'm like, who is Donald Trump working with as a debate person in order to prepare him for what the Democrats are going to be throwing at him. I know Governor Larry Hogan and uh, um, what's his name, Bill Weld, had their names in the hat. And Bill Weld, I know he still has his name in the hat because he was on the Iowa, what is it, State Fair stump or whatever they call it. He was actually there and saying he was running, but that Trump would not debate him and would not allow the Republican Party to allow him a debate. And I'm like, um, uh, what is his name, Rep. Mark Sanford? Um, he's a Republican, I think, from South Carolina. But he might be throwing his hat in a uh, name in the hat. He was on Meet the Press this last week. And uh, I'm thinking, well, Trump, you know, the thing that made you so readily available to whoop up on all the Democrats was you had to whoop up on 17 um or more Republicans during the primaries to get ready for the Democrats. And, and you got to be watching. And I'm sure he's doing this to a certain degree. I don't think he's stupid. He didn't become a billionaire for nothing being an idiot, you know. But sometimes you get so many irons in the fire or, or you know, fishing poles in the lake, you forget which, I mean, you lose track of it and it's, something gets away from you. But I'd like to see him at least do some um, debating and stuff and they're not even wanting to debate. So does anyone know where he's at with that and who's actually prepping him to make sure he's ready for the debates with these Democrats? No, I'm not hearing anything. And I, don't, and I think right now it will be too early for him to be uh, getting ready to debate anybody because I, mean, don't even, I, I think that needs to wait until after the um, – I think that needs to wait until after the uh, – they pick who the person is anyway. I think it doesn't make sense to – we know Bill Weld is in it. Trump just won't debate him. And then the Republican Party is just being, you know, unconstitutional like always and going along with Trump saying, well, Trump won't debate you, so we're not going to have a debate so much for constitutional elections in America. Well, it's not even, but it's, it's, it's not even, I mean, I, I, many, I missed it. Did you say he's running as a Republican? Bill Weld is, yes. Weld 2020. Well, how, how many? But, how many well, yeah, well, here's the thing when it comes to debate. How, when, when, in the polls, what is he running in in the polls? 
Because you have to have well, a certain know. amount of you, you have to have a certain amount of. I know of that's actually signed up to run campaign. The other but, people yeah, are just but, but, but according to the rules, now this this is a non-constitutional. This is according to the GOP rules and Democrats, for that matter. Uh, if you don't, after a certain period, you know, if you don't have a certain percentage, you can't be in the debate. There also probably yeah, be more people in the Democrat debate. I mean, what, what, yeah, is, he running, what is he running in the poll? The Republican Party is constitutional, or it's okay to do that just because you know. I, I thought it was unconstitutional before, and I think it's unconstitutional now. Where, is it, well, where does it say in the Constitution about about that? Well, Trump is a uh, he's supposed to be upholding the Constitution, and Bill. No, no but where, where, in the, where in the Constitution? Where in the Constitution does it say that they they have to have a debate? Oh yeah, that's a good point. I have to look into that because off the top of my head I can't think of it. But when it comes to having the uh, fair elections for us to be able to pick the person that we want, you think that whoever's running, you know, you've said plenty of times. You're so real quick, well, real, real, real quick, John. Real, hold on, hold on, real quick. I seen what we uh, able to see what time it is. Four minutes to the top of the hour. So uh, don't let your phones uh, die or kick out because after the top of the hour. If you're, um, you you dro- accidentally drop the call or drop the call, unfortunately, we'd not be able to get uh, called back in. So I just wanted to put that out there for folks. Um, uh, thank you very much. Go ahead, John. Well, hold on, Robert. I'll, I'll read about Beto O'Rourke campaigning in Mexico when we get into the uh, third hour. I found it on the Internet. Okay. okay. So everybody out there listening, don't forget to call 347-945-7428 right now. Three four seven nine four five seventy four twenty eight. So that way you can be in the last hour lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark. So anyway, my point is is that how are we supposed to have candidates run for office and we can't get them to debate? How are we going to have a fair election out of that? And I agree with you. I have to look into the Constitution to see where that says. But the Constitution is not the end all be all. Of how our country is supposed to operate as a, uh, you know, constitutionally representative republic. And it, like I said a while ago, if it was unconstitutional before, because we didn't like the duopoly of the Republicans and Democrats running the show all the time and scamming us through the, you know, state laws that they enforce to disenfranchise the independents, like. Dr. Tolbert, when he's trying to run for office, having to pay more or jump through more hoops than the Democrats and Republican parties. And now we're saying it's okay for Trump to play this nonsense or, you know, or the Republican Party. I'm like, no, just be a good good participant, jump in there and, and get your, um, your uh, sword sharpened by working with Bill Weld, and we'll all learn something, too. Bill Weld might bring up something to help Trump be a better candidate. That's my issue, is I want him out there debating with other people to make sure he's ready to take on the thing. Because I think if he keeps going in the right way, he's going to be the best president we ever had. My concern is the corporations that are globally minded, they're going to take over regardless of who's president even if Trump wins again they've got so much control through the bills that are being passed it don't matter if Trump wins or not in my opinion it's a setup for a takedown anyway back to you 
Well, one, I mean, for one, I've never even heard of this guy, but that, you know, that don't really mean a lot. But uh, when it comes to him debating them, you know, again, at this, this point in the game, one, I think it would be an utter waste of time because the guy has no, no chance whatsoever uh, of, of winning the nomination. Of winning the nomination. Um, and, and in politics, you know, you don't do something unless it's, a, unless it's smart to do it. It's just not. It's, it's just Robert, not. It's you're just not, not being smart. the. Well, hold on. No, I didn't interrupt you, John. Uh, now it, it's it's just it's not smart for him to debate him. It just doesn't make sense. You know, it, it just doesn't. And, and in politics, you know, you don't do something unless you have to. And then, you know, and then two is that if if there's no benefit for you to do it, and I really, I mean, I really don't see a benefit for Trump for him to debate him. I mean, really, especially if the rules don't take the rules dictated, you know, that hey, you got to you have to debate this guy, and he didn't. Well, then th- there's reason for him to debate him. But the debate, you know, to have a debate with him at, at this point, it just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, why would you want to? Why would you want to open up, you know, open open up more competition to yourself? When you already got the when you already got the Democrats, so I mean, let the Democrats do what they're doing. They're ripping them. They're ripping each other apart. They're ripping up the Democrats apart. I mean, that's what the Republicans do. I mean, you know, when you're the when you're the party in power, you know, and the presidential candidate, you know, I mean, that, I mean, look at look at the Democrats. I mean, they had you know a couple people, but you know, but when Obama was, I mean, look when Obama was running. I mean, who did he debate? Who, who did Obama debate? Uh, when the re-election was going against him, I mean, I don't remember. I mean, anyone else on the panel will remember Obama debating anyone during the primaries? Uh, oh, wait, Rob, when he was when he was running for. What? Well, I'm asking other people. When people, uh, but when Obama was running, did anyone he else? He wasn't even vetted properly. <laughs> well, no, I agree, but I'm. But when yeah. I mean with the the debate, and well, I, don't, debate, I, don't, no. I didn't like it. No. But he never he never debated anybody <clears throat> in the primaries. Um, I don't remember, but like I said, he wasn't vetted properly. He was a shoe in from the beginning. Um, oh yeah, oh certainly. The, with the the, the there was a, the political storm against the Republicans during that year. I mean, they, they, that's why I think Newt Gingrich didn't run because he knew there was. I mean, there was no way that the Republicans going to win. Mm, yeah, McCain turned out to be a lousy candidate. Um, oh yeah, well they they practiced his, his turnism. Is what the yeah. Republicans did. Instead of instead of pushing and supporting the right person, they, you know, they did it all. Oh, it's his turnism. You know, it was up until Trump and the Democrats have done it. You know, kind of did in 2016. Is okay with the person who and the Republicans did this for like three or four cycles, where it's not longer. Well, oh, okay, with the person who came in second place. If you notice that with the Republicans, it was the person who came in second place. In the previous presidential election, who ended up being the presidential nominee the next time around? No, I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much how, <laughs> how things, you know, how, how things went uh, with the Republicans because it was Bush. Well, it's just just use McCain for instance. Bush McCain, you know, he came, McCain came in second place, okay, and then when it was McCain. You know, and Romney. Well, Romney was in second place, right? Well, then Rom, you know, so. Yeah, when Romney did um, um, a. Bad, Romney was the worst candidate to go against him. 
Uh, Romney did a good first debate, but the second debate, all of a sudden, um, Obama got on um, got on the right track and woke up. And uh, Romney was trying to play Mr. Nice Guy, and then there was the um, the bad news against him, uh, trying to make him appear to be too much of an elite. And um, it, uh, you know, kind of backfired on Romney. Um, but I don't pay attention to what. The, huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't pay attention to what the uh, Republicans and Democrats do because, to me, they're all the same party. Uh, they're all after one thing, and that's power at the expense of the American people. So it uh, doesn't matter to me who wins, who doesn't win. The American people lose. Uh, we are lucky we got Trump in there, very lucky. He's an anomaly. He ran for president before under the reform ticket, got nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why he ran for Republican because that's the only way he could right. win. Let's be honest. Exactly. Because people are well, so indoctrinated. Yeah, I, I'm going to interrupt just for literally a minute or so mm-hmm. because I love this this audio and it makes me laugh every time I hear it, no matter how many times I hear it. <laughs> but this is what the true this is what the true problem that Romney had in, in, when he was running. Mm-hmm. Mr. President, just. How different are you from Governor Romney? Uh, Now, let me be clear. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. For instance, abortion. He was pro-choice most of his adult life. So was I. But he changed his position uh, when he became presidential candidate Romney. Uh, Hold on. Now, let's take guns. (laughs) Now, Governor Romney and I, uh, we were in complete agreement on gun control. Uh, Now, that is, until he changed his mind. But, But I... And on health care, well... Uh, I was so inspired by Romneycare you know, that I nationalized it and called it Obamacare. Whoa, whoa. But now presidential candidate Romney against the individual mandate and universal health care. I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. But this presidential candidate Romney, I don't even know the guy. Then again, uh, he doesn't seem to know himself. Oh, come on. Governor Romney? Getting <laughs> our future is responsible for the content of this message. I'm sorry. I just laugh every time I <laughs> every time I uh, I play that. No matter how many times I hear it, I still think it's funny. You know, I, I, but anyway, go <laughs> Well, yeah, the uh, speaking of debates, I would still like to see Mitt Romney debate himself. I mean, <laughs> just anyway. <laughs> All right. I yeah, yeah I, and, I, and I interrupt. I interrupt Joe. So I interrupt Joe. So like, let, let, let me go ahead. Let um, let, him, let him finish and go ahead, Kelly. Go, um, go ahead, Jeff. Nah, I'm just saying the American people lose no matter what happens. <clears throat> Take a look at the history of the United States. The Whigs, Tories, Democrats, Republicans, both corrupt, and all of the American people just lose, lose, lose. <laughs> well, well, Joe, why do, you think, why do you think I went libertarian, Joe? I, I'd had it. I'm, I am a libertarian. Um but the thing is, is that people love libertarians in theory, but because um, the libertarians themselves um, don't know how to promote themselves, don't know how to really do anything to get the, the people's attention properly, uh, most people just ignore the libertarians. Um, you know, and we have a well-deserved reputation of being a wild group. You know, it's like trying to herd cats. It's it's really hard to get it's really hard to get liberty minded people unified, and that's what I see in the Libertarian Party. And then Nick Sarwak, oh boy, 
because he, he's the chair of the Libertarian Party. I got uh-huh. an email from today, you know. Like, really, I think he's, it, it's possible. Well, other Libertarians I know saw it happen, so. The, the Republicans send infiltrators in to weaken the Libertarian Party. Because really, Libertarians are basically the Freedom Caucus, former Republicans. Yes, there are a number of Democrats that come over, but, you know, in one convention, this, I met this guy, his name Joe, or I will, uh, Lopez. He goes, I'm a Republican, I'm, I'm a recovering Democrat. Oh, really? I'm a recovering a Republican, you know, like, you know, recovering alcoholic kind of a thing. But when you get such independent-minded people, it's hard to get them unified. Well, that, and so, well, I, I, I formed a coalition for Ron Paul back in 2007, and um, in a way, I agree with you uh, because it's trying to get people to come aboard. I got some volunteers working for me, but there are a lot of people who criticize my organization because it was hierarchical. In other words. I was the boss, and people were doing what I wanted them to do. And the the other people, the ones who weren't in my organization, I said, well, start your own organization. But they believe that a hierarchy is antithetical to the um, to the uh, to the ideas of libertarianism. And so, in a way, you're right. But it's not because they're independent-minded. Uh, if you're independent-minded, you can still join up with other people who are independent-minded, make compromises, and move forward. But I happen to agree with you that if not the Republicans infiltrating the um, Libertarian Party, then um, I, I'd have to believe that leftists are in the Libertarian Party. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look at um, – oh, come on. Help me out, Kelly. Who's the presidential candidate that should see more of a leftist than a Libertarian? Gary Johnson? Gary well, Johnson, yeah. yeah. Johnson, he was um, – he said something hilarious. I mean, he was funny. I can see why he was the governor of Arizona. Most conservative, fiscally, and other policies. He did a lot of good. Sorry, New Mexico. He did a lot of good in New Mexico, and he ran. And, you know, libertarians kind of went for power. Some of more electable. But he made this statement, and it was hilarious. He said, and this was when I was at the California Libertarian State Convention in, I think, 14? Anyway, so he had, you know, on-screen display at the convention. He goes, you know... If homosexuals want to get, if they want to be, if they want to get married and be just as miserable as heterosexuals have at it, and everybody just busted up laughing. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Well, and I mean, so, but he's an open borders guy. That's the thing I didn't like about Gary Johnson. He was well, an open that, borders guy. That has been a shift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that has been a shift. The libertarians, and I wrote Nick Sarwak and a little. Hey, dude, I think I'm out. Because one of his first, as the uh, chair, the national chair, Nick Starwalk, and I met him personally, pompous, arrogant attorney. I met him at the national convention in 12. Anyway, um, one of his first letters, emails out to everybody was, hey, let's support open borders. What? Are you out of your mind? So, yeah, there's some left traction, or was it a Republican infiltrator trying to hurt the... Well, you know know where that's from? Um, I don't know about Ron Paul, um, but that's from one of my uh, favorite people of the Libertarian Party was Harry Brown. And Harry Brown was a firm advocate of of open borders. He believed that immigration during his time, he died in 2006, but during his runs for the presidency, two of his presidential runs as a Libertarian, 
Um, he was for open borders, or at least for open immigration, without realizing the kind of damage that they could do, because he probably assumed that the immigrants would be those who were like the immigrants of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. You were vetted. You had to have some sort of independent support. You had to have people uh, referencing you, vouching for you. But now, anybody who's a libertarian who's for, an open, who's for open borders has got to be an idiot. <laughs> well, it's hurt them bad, big time. And, you know, Harry Brown wrote a book, and I bought it and read it. I devoured it. It was awesome. Liberty ate You ate the book? Why would you do that? <laughs> it tasted good. <laughs> yeah, that Liberty A to Z, Harry Brown is freaking an awesome book. Well, I have. And, uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know what, guys? We've been kind of, you, know, you know what, I just was thinking, we've been kind of sexist pigs over here, guys. Um, and see, we're going to give a bad name for ourselves because we have to get, we haven't talked to Suzette for a while. So I'd really like to get her, her take on some things. He's been quiet there and <laughs> haven't heard from her for a bit. So let's go you, ahead and, you are and a see sexist. if, uh, if she you likes know to why? <laughs> You're a sexist huh? because you're assuming she couldn't jump in on her own. Now, see, there's the argument. Oh, from well, the other you side. know, fine. I'm a sexist, I'm a sexist <laughs> racist, homophobe, and um, xenophobe, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever phobe. <laughs> I'm a xylophone. Yeah. <laughs> So, Libertarian, Jerry Johnson, uh, he said something about something regarding foreign policy that just kind of threw me off and that told me he wasn't ready to be president. I mean, I know you kind of learn as you go because you don't, nobody's been president before, so it's not something that you can try out for and then say, yeah, okay, I went through it and I'm qualified now to be the real president. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he just wasn't, in my mind, not even close. Um as far as anything else you guys were discussing, I don't know as far as views go. Um, I think John is uh, right uh, as far as uh, to be curious about Trump because I, I question him too. You know, I haven't abandoned uh, supporting him. But you kind of have to wonder if he's playing a game um, with the Democrats or the left or whoever, the media, when he says things. And you kind of just have to pause and wait to see what happens. And if there's action that's taken from what, from his words, you know, then you've got to, okay, the student, yeah, okay, he was serious. Where are you going? Come back. <laughs> this is totally against what you were saying. Or and nothing came of it, no action, you know, when he ends up backpedaling. So I think that well, might help. Yeah. Well, Limbo wow. has an explanation for that. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. He, he, he's talking about it today and yesterday. He was saying that the reason why Trump does those kind of things uh, with the press is to needle them, to backtrack in order to confuse them, and he's and he's brilliant, Limbaugh says, by doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? I mean, look, we have a president who is a master showman um, and a master business executive. So mm-hmm. who knows? But, um, you know, look. I, I I was the one who said, and I think it was today too on your show, Bob. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I like Trump, but he would make the perfect Trojan horse. Yeah, he could. Or Manchurian candidate is some of them. Sure. Yeah, but then it wouldn't make sense that a lot of the the um, positioning that he's doing with countries, you know, and tariffs and things like that, and his discipline as far as not immediately reacting to Iran when we, the United States, members of Congress, 
Pentagon for accusing Iran of taking down the drone. You know, I myself kind of questioned as far as, um, was it Iran? I mean, here we are, this is, we know that that's the lot. well, some of us know that that's the last state that we need to go after besides Syria. You know, if they can't overthrow Bashar, then they're going to go to Iran and start poking the bear there, our CIA, that is, our special ops, and then turn around and say, it was Iran that did it. <laughs> you know, we've done that before. And so when Trump didn't react, I thought that was good and that he knows what's going Oh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I thought it was good, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping he'd kind of nuke it turns into a glass factory, but no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, I mean, there have been... Sorry, I just can't get your chain. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, the neocons, they've, they've said that years ago. I mean, they said, we'll turn Iran or any other country into a, um, a glass parking lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a glass parking lot, yeah. I mean, we yeah, I saw it like. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying. I mean, all I saw was dumb for Iran. I mean, I'm, but I think Iran knew it's why Iran would do anything is because they if they believe they have the backing of Russia, and uh, and China, either or or both. Well, I like to know what it is. Other, you know, the Nuclear Proliferation Treaty. Iran was the signer of the, well, the of the Nuclear Proliferation Treaty. They're allowed to have um, nukes. I, as mm-hmm. the president would use the CIA to absolutely stop any country from having nukes. But in terms of international law, Iran didn't do anything that was against international law until maybe, I guess, recently. Um, you know, But with the history of the United States, always pointing fingers at other countries and making them out to be the bad guys, we always have to remember, why is it that we're 6,000, 10,000 miles away from home? Yeah. Why do we have all these bases all over yet? And when we think about, you know, as far as North Korea and Kim Jong-un's concern, that if I denuclearize, if I stop doing everything, what's that to stop you from coming in and just taking me over? You know, you did it over here in Afghanistan. Yeah, you know, I've got nothing if you take it all away. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that one before we start anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good for coffee. Yeah. Don't forget right. the. Go ahead. Don't forget the. Okay, go ahead. Take the take the stage. And, you know, I was just gonna let you say. I was all I was just gonna just add to that and just say that um, when um, Kim Jong Un was doing the missile testing and our media was having a hyper cow about it, uh, saying, "Oh boy, there he goes again." I guess Trump didn't make a deal. He's been played and yada yada. And it's yeah. Like, you know, he's doing that to just kind of flex his muscle going, don't come over here, go do it, because you don't know what we're going to do, because uh, we have nuclear missiles, sort of. Strong, but yeah. We're going to yeah. make you believe that we do, because we don't want you to invade us, right. you know? So that's what that was all about. And a lot of people were just like, oh, man, Trump's <laughs> just starting another war, and yada, yada, you know. Yeah. They don't get it. But anyway, back to you, John. I was going to just share from another perspective is the people that are, whether it be Bolton or whoever that are neocons, baiting some of this stuff in the ear of Trump and then the military-industrial complex stirring up stuff with the deep state. They're colluding in conspiracy with each other to over, you know, to undermine the Constitution. They they know that they're not going to send their people to go fight. It's all you and me and us 
peasants that they're going to actually have to go fight the bloody war. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's like, like, mm-hmm. I think I don't trust it's, Pompeo. <laughs> well, I don't trust anybody over there. Well, Pompeo, he comes from. Uh, well, he's not from Goldman Sachs, uh, but he's from. He's from that elk. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and Bolton. I mean, Bolton is a neocon. He wrote in his, um, he's either him or a guy named Holden. He wrote in a book that he was for depopulation of the world, mm-hmm. not just talking about how the the world would be better off with a, with a lesser population. But I think he was talking about depopulating the world. Right. So, right. You know, we have people who have, you know, who are practically DNA descendants of uh, Kissinger, and you know, in his cabinet. But he's gotten rid of a lot of the people who were uh, neocons, came from Goldman Sachs, Wall Street, et cetera. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping he's going to continue to do that. Um, and the military-industrial complex, look, they're in bed with, uh, with, with the corporations. Money and guns rule the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as far as and speaking of, around. And speaking of ruling, real quick, uh, I do want to um, – do part of my role, and we have a Beto update from Kelly, so let's go ahead and we're going to bring it over to you, Kelly. Give us the, 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 the Beto test, Beto. <laughs> that guy, man, he's, uh, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Hello, Kelly. <laughs> nope, he said he had a... Yeah, right here. An right. Update. Yeah. Now you, don't make me look, uh, okay, go ahead, Kelly. Okay, sorry about that, I was on mute. All right, so, um, while I'm getting to my uh, internet thing on Beto O'Rourke, um, real quick, yeah, this, this is the next time I hear some leftist environmentalists, oh, we got to get rid of all these people, oh, you believe in, uh, in, in getting rid of people to save the planet? Yes. Why don't you be an example then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just tired of it. All right, so here we go, Town Hall. <laughs> yeah. Town Hall, okay. This is the article, June 30th of this year, by Beth Bauman. All right. Well, that's different. Beto is campaigning for POTUS in Mexico. Former Representative Beto O'Rourke, a Democrat of Texas, must have missed the memo that he's running for the President of the United States. O'Rourke, for whatever reason, is campaigning in Mexico. Again, did he not know he's running for President of the United States and not President of Mexico? And he's got some justifications here. All right. According to the Associated Press, O'Rourke plans plans to head to uh, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, to meet with so-called asylum seekers who want uh, who must wait in Mexico while their application is processed. The Ciudad Juarez sits right across the Rio Grande River from El Paso, O'Rourke's hometown. The goal of the trip, according to O'Rourke's campaign, is to meet with individuals and families directly impacted by Donald Trump's cruel and inhumane policies and shed light on the desperate circumstances those who are seeking asylum and refugees are fleeing and the conditions these families and individuals are forced to endure when they've been turned away from our borders. Um, Anyway, oh, he's going to meet in the Northern Triangle, where there are illegal aliens from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Oh, really? He's expanding his influence to (laughs) three other countries, four, four countries. All right. CNN reported this. All right, in all the debates around immigration, we can't forget who it impacts most. The people traveling thousands of miles, fleeing the worst kinds of violence and oppression, and <clears throat> turning away refugees, families, and asylum seekers is not who we are as a country. But as long as Donald Trump is president, it will be. Uh, he's going to have a, a rally for the 
probably for the children outside the border station in Clinton, Texas. Oh my God, it's just mind blowing. You know you what? Know, and so I'm gonna hunt down and Suzette. I don't know if you heard me, but I'm, maybe you can help help me find where I, I think it was 20 uh, Democratic candidates are are gonna campaign in Mexico. And so mm-hmm. I, I just want to throw, throw a comment here, but I, I don't know if you can look it up on the internet. internet. I, anyway, um, but now let's think about this, okay? Give me a second. Libertarian, I, I, instead of saying they're just crazy, libertarian position, uh, I can look at both parties. This is actual political genius, okay? What O'Rourke is doing is absolute political genius. And I'll explain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. He's he's taking one for the team. It's like you know in baseball, a sacrifice fly or a bunt, where you're going to be out, but you're uh, you know you're going to get somebody home and score. He's committing political suicide, but he's taking one for the team because if he goes down there and he does this, all the illegals are going to be like, oh my gosh, the Democrat Party is the one that really cares for us. Look, they're they're, they're crossing the border and they're coming into Mexico. Let's all vote Democrat because they really care. It's political genius. He's not going to make it as president. It's a sacrifice fly. It is political genius. I was going to agree with that. I, I want to speak on that after Suzette finishes what she was going to say. Go ahead, I was Suzette. just saying I'm going to find. I was just going to say Suzanne, I was going to look for that yeah. for um <laughs> for Kelly. That's when we done that. And that's all. But yeah, go ahead, Suzette. I haven't found it yet. I'm going to find it. Um, well, then let me chime in while you're still looking. That is political okay. genius. And either way, if if he is going to make the sacrifice, then he's doing it to perhaps become a vice presidential candidate. But uh, also, I was going to borrow from Bob's uh, philosophy. When Bob was saying that if Trump comes down to California first, then he's got the leg up. So if Beto goes down across the border to Mexico to meet with these poor, poor people, um then he's doing something which is ahead of the Democratic crowd and letting the illegals know, look, he's willing to cross the border to come visit with us. I can tell you right now it's a good thing uh, for them. I'm not president because I would enact the 100-year-old law against immigration, and I would shoot everybody who would shoot, who who would step foot on my soil. You're not supposed to trespass. And for those liberals who think that, yeah, well, they're coming over here to have a um, a better life, well, duh, but don't you, do you have homeless people living with you? Do you have burglars? Do you give them instant forgiveness if you catch them in your home? No. So these people <laughs> are taking away jobs from Americans. That's, that's established, at least to me. 102 million Americans out of work. And this argument that Americans don't take the jobs that immigrants do, not true. There was a line around the block from uh, Americans applying for some sort of slaughter, slaughtering job at one of the, uh, the major slaughterhouses, uh, just to mention, you know, a job there that's available for Americans unwilling to um, get themselves mired in the mud, as it were. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there's there's another aspect. Oh, I'll make this quick through that. Beto O'Rourke, he is from the you know pure Republican uh, and even potentially a law position. He is aiding and abetting people who are committing illegal, trying to commit illegal acts. 
this is dead serious, and that's why it's like a sacrificial fly for the one for the party. I'm done. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't know exactly what you were looking for as far as just the story itself. It's a fundraiser. They're supposed to um, have three different events in Mexico beginning on September 28th, and it's a happy hour thing. Well, it's a holding it in Mexico, and they're supposedly to um, have some type of registration form that says that you have to be a U.S. citizen to be able to go in and um, and to register to vote so and to donate money. The thing is, is that that money that they're using to hold that fundraiser or fundraisers um, could have been spent here in the United States. So, you know, they're not, <laughs> so there we go, taking jobs out of the United States again. I mm. mean, duh. Mm. <laughs> you were just thinking about jobs there, Joe, yeah. as far as what we're losing, and here jobs could have been, you know, not created, but used as far as making money here in the United States. That money could have gone here, but so why hold it in Mexico? Well, we all know why, we just heard Kelly read mm-hmm. the article. But um, supposedly uh, this, uh, their Tom Perez person has done a really, he's lagged far behind Republicans in terms of fundraising. So um, that's why they're going to Mexico, which I don't understand how many Americans can actually be in Mexico that would raise significant funds for them to hold three events. So I think it's more leaning towards the article that Kelly read as far as the you know, asylum seekers and bringing them over here sneaking them over here, I guess, because that's what it would yeah. have to be. <laughs> and I so think it would, I'm sorry. Wouldn't that be like some form of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say treason, but I mean, if you're sneaking them over here and you're an American citizen and you're aiding and abetting oh. people illegally oh. entering the country. Yeah, well, they've so. already done that. Suzette, to, to uh, dovetail from what you're saying, a senator walked an asylum a few weeks ago across the border. And nobody did anything. No, I, I think that was Cory. I think that was Cory Booker. I'm looking it up right now. I don't. I think it was somebody. It may have been him, um, but it may have been somebody else too. But isn't that something? Either a congressman or a senator just literally takes an asylum seeker, a so-called asylum seeker. Let's really call them what they are: so-called asylum seekers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is Cory Booker. Yeah, he, it is Cory Booker. Went to, yeah, he went to Mexico and he traveled with. The illegals who are trying to enter our borders. Isn't that something? I mean, uh, if that's not campaigning, I don't know what is. But uh, God damn, mm-hmm. Jesus! Yeah, they they doubled down on stupidity. First, they uh, they raise their hands on, on public TV in order to show people that they're going to have health care for every illegal, and now they're publicly going across the border to to illegally transport these these criminals, well-minded criminals. I have no animosity towards illegals uh, per se. But I just don't want other people, millions of them, coming across the border using chain migration to not understand, not care about assimilating, don't want to learn the language, don't want to learn our culture, and get, or if you ever talk to an illegal, you can't get into a, a conversation with them. They always get pissed off because you disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, in reference to some of this costing money and stuff too. H.R. 397 is a pension bailout because a lot of the, uh, this was about, uh, let me see, the July the 24th of this year, because a lot of companies that use the Pensions Guarantee Benefit Corporation in order to, you know, kind of back them up whenever they can't take care of their pensions, the government 
supposedly helps them out. Well, now they're having to raise money with this bill, H.R. 397, in order to refund the pension benefit guarantee corporation because it's getting low and getting ready to go belly up. So that's contributing to everything in the money situation you guys were talking about, too. And a couple other things, or a number of other things, I think people ought to be calling their senator about because some of these bills have already passed the House and they're in the Senate. And I called my congressman and senator and told them to expunge, you know, or rescind if it's in your particular, you know, um, jurisdiction, your House, you know, go ahead and rescind and annul or expunge. If it's in the, if it's just sitting on the desk someplace in the Senate, then don't pass it at all. But they're pushing H.R. 8 is the gun control, and the gun control bill has um, H.R. 1112 and H.R. 11 or H.R. 145 and H.R. 4477. Those are all been pushed within the last six months or a year or so. And H.R. 8 and H.R. 1112 or 1112 are being pushed right now in the Senate, but they're, they haven't been voted on. They've just passed the House. Now, H.R. 1 for the People Act, if, I, if I'm not confusing this with H.R. 4, this is the one where they're trying to manipulate the campaign finance stuff to make sure that the money comes out of the taxpayer's pocket to help fund all of the congressmen's campaign funds from now on. I'm not sure I understand the details of all that stuff because it's such a dog and pony show whenever you're listening to them. Then H.R. 5 is the Equality Act, and they're trying to manipulate, you know, the genders and all that kind of stuff. H.R. 1044 is where they want to do away with the debt limits and the, you know, debt ceiling and just spend unlimited amounts of money. It's ridiculous. But anyway, there's just a couple of food for thought. Now we have H.R. 3494, intelligence authorization. When they get to use your data and share it with all kinds of people, even foreign international groups, without your permission and just hmm. exploit you right out there. Like, you that know, is a red record. herring. I don't know what it is. Exactly. But anyway, those are some things that I noticed. And you got H.R. 9, the Paris Climate Accord thing that's trying to be remanufactured too that's passed the house and it's sitting on the, uh, Mitch McConnell's desk I guess so you might want to get busy and call your senators and tell them no 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 and go do some research on those things there's a lot to it and it's hard to read back to you Suzette um, did you want to say something because I want oh, to talk yeah, after you okay I just wanted to mention real quick I know there was talk about Gavin Newsom uh, requiring that tax returns be a part of um, being on the ballot in California. But I didn't know it actually passed and signed it. I thought that, um, I guess it was the Supreme Court that had weighed in and said no, that they couldn't do that. But evidently it went through. So I don't know if it says all major Democratic candidates have released tax returns. Um, Ali noted Trump has been vehemently against releasing the information. He filed a lawsuit on July 23rd because of the Ways and Means Committee wanted to access his tax returns, and so um, that's still, I guess, pending. But the new law requires that Trump release five years of tax returns in order to be on the ballot in California when he runs for president in 2020. It passed the House and the Senate, and the governor signed it. So if he doesn't comply, he will not be allowed on the ballot. So I don't know what that is all about and how that's going to end up working out or panning out because um, uh, tax 
technically, according to the Supreme Court, they can't do that. Um, I don't know. I'll have to find out what they said about that. Can I jump in on this? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm done. I'm finished. I mean, go ahead. But first, um, I know Joe, real quick, John, Joe Joe wanted to go after her, and uh, and then you go ahead. But just real quick uh, note before Joe gets in, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm on Twitter, and I'm reading some people. There's not, to uh, to a person, let's see how many comments. I haven't gone through, probably gone through 100 or so comments on on the same Twitter about Epstein. And about, um, and Cornyn, did anyone see the video? It looked like Cornyn was right behind him. Make it, I, don't, I mean, if you just look at his face, uh, I don't know, man. Watch the video if you get the chance. But um, there's like, a, you know, how many um, responses are? I don't know. A, a ton of responses. And there's not a one, not to a one, who believes that it was suicide. That they, they're like, <laughs> I, I guess they're hoping that this is just a, a smoke screen to finally catch the people. But there's. I mean, I think this was so – the thing with Epstein was so blatantly obvious that it wasn't a suicide that I don't think anyone's really buying it. But anyway, I mean, I don't know if it's just a smokescreen, you know, to try to put people at ease so that they can drop the bomb on them or if this is really going to be something that we uh, swept under the rug. And, and I hate to say it, but and I hope I'm wrong, but I've got a feeling just following these things for as long as I have that this is just going to get swept under the rug and people are going to forget about it and move on to the next thing. But anyway, um, that's kind of an update on that, but go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to um, um, dovetail from what uh, John was talking about. John had called the senator or this congressman. What I'd like to know is this, since I'm a very cynical person about the process of government, is I'd like to find out from people, those who have contacted their senators, their congressmen, and have actually made a change. So if anybody um, knows of any small organization, I'm not talking about an organization with 2 million people, but let's say an organization with 20 people or a single person who have uh, called their um, the senators, their representatives, and have actually gotten the, those senators to change their minds, I'd like to know about it because I don't think calling a senator uh, means anything because it's like uh, contacting the um, uh, the sheep in charge of the uh, I mean contacting the wolf uh, in charge of the sheep. Yeah, you really get through to to the actual senator or representative who usually speak with their staff and they take a message <laughs> and that's it. They yeah, get back to you know, just so, along, supposedly. So you know. It would you know, give they me... could probably have an invisible pad in front of them. Sure, I'm writing down your <laughs> <a> message. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your uh, mail. This this letter uh, in reply to your uh, email is is not an automatic email, even though it's not, even though I am writing in a robotic arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I would. Okay. I want somebody to tell me that it actually works because I am too cynical about the um, the government machinations. I just think that they're there to, to do the bidding of lobbyists and for people who can affect their elections. I can't affect their election. I don't have a following of two million people. I'm not a union leader. I'm not a head of an, uh, of an organization that has a few million people. And so, John, if you've ever, if you have any examples of, of when you personally have called somebody 
and that person was influenced by you or influenced by other people that you know who have called their representatives, I want to know, because then I'll, I'll, do, I'll start making some emails and calls and maybe even join a protest group. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I could ever prove it in the way that you're hoping to get the proof, but um, one aspect, I've got a couple of different things I want to tell you, but one aspect is, is this, the fact that they haven't already taken more control of our gun control because all of those of us who call and tell them they don't have a right to get, to um, be talking about gun control at all because all of the laws and statutes and regulations that are in place now are already in violation of our constitutional rights to bear arms and to be free self-governing people. If, if they were truly legit about this gun control thing, then all the policemen in the military wouldn't have any weapons or the same. We'd all have the same privileges and immunities. But one thing that um, I will share about it didn't go to the same point that but um Dr. Tolbert he comes on this show quite often and we talk about a number of different things. Well ironically sometimes Dr. Tolbert also writes these articles and stuff and he puts them on his website and all. Well they're actually listening to I don't know if it's this broadcast or one of the other ones that Dr. Tolbert goes on because there's three shows that I know that I'm a part. I come on like I am with this show too, and Dr. Tolbert's on on them also. But um, Ken Cuccinelli, the acting director over the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, just on Monday, August the 12th, was standing up saying, "Hey, here's our new. Uh, uh, we're going to reinforce. We're going to enforce not a new policy, but a policy that was supposed to be reinforced. You know, like." I don't know how many years ago, to make sure that from now on immigrants that come into our country have to meet the sponsorship merit um, eligibility requirements to determine whether they have the fitness to come into America or not. And that was something that we had discussed and he had put in his papers. And now Cuccinelli and them are implementing it. And I've seen the actual news um, briefing on C-SPAN when he said it out of his mouth. And then Dr. Tolbert had to remind me. I think this was just on last week's show. Dr. Tolbert was reminding me in that show. So anybody listening, if you want to go check out the podcast from last week, which is what um, August the 14th, um, 2019 show, then you can hear about that. So them are the only instances that I can tell of that there was any real stuff going on. But other, but other than that, I mean, what else can we do? I mean, I'm not. I'm not interested well, in just I, throwing up my hands and not do nothing at I, all. Even mm-hmm. though I agree with you, that doesn't matter who gets in the office and what goes on. The corporations, the exclu- they're going to exclusively govern through the economy and their corporate control to use AI and robotics and whatnot to yeah. put people out of work, and then they're going to push the UBI so they can get everybody to take the chip because if you're out of work and destitute and you don't have any money coming in and now they're tracking everything because Dragonfly is already here in America, whether people believe it or not, then you will actually take the chip and the, you take that UBI because you'd rather do that than to lose all your stuff and be out in the street. Anyway, 
this immigration stuff is all just a setup to to force the riots and the protests. So they're manufacturers of their spy equipment. They sit on the board of directors of those companies. They got multiple shares in mm-hmm. those companies, and they're going to make more money. And they're using it as a trick to get more money and to divide and conquer us and push us into them being able to control. So they don't care who's in the government and who's manipulating the government, unless it's somebody that's going to, you know. Change yeah. the rules of the of the corporations, and right now, from all the things I've been seeing on C-SPAN and the bills that are passing, it's just more corporate consolidation of power. Period. Unfortunately, you're right. Um, but to answer your answer your question, but what else can we do? You know, I join an organization that that has millions of followers that maybe can sign petitions. Other than that. Um, the way that the government's working now and how corrupt it is, people have to wake up to the fact that everybody that I know believes the government's corrupt, but they don't believe that the government is so corrupt that they'll sell us out to the Chinese for for noodles. They will. They've already sold us out, not just the Chinese, but the Russians, and to whom I think is um, the, real, the real puppet master, the, uh, the richer families, Rothschilds, etc., so they don't believe that. They believe, yeah, backroom deals, they, they, they're happening all the time. Take a look at Tiffany, um, Tammany Hall. Okay, that's the price of doing business with government. That's the price of being an American. But they don't realize that both parties are dragging America down the sewer by design. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a saying. How many times do you have to witness a Titanic sinking before you realize it's sabotage? I'm done. It, it's it's even more than that to me. It's a planned medical obsolescence eugenics 3.0. That too. I can't disagree with you on that. The people mean. Look, put yourself in the shoes of of the richest people in the world. What are you going to get them for Christmas? They already own the world. They already have the most <laughs> expensive parties. They have the most expensive yachts. People will go to them for advice about politics. So what else do you have except control of the world? So to control the world, the fewer the people, the easier it is to control. Every dictator, whether it's a uh, tin pot dictator or, or a dictator with a lot of power, has always wanted to be God. In the next few years, people will have that opportunity. They will merge their bodies with silicon with AI to become gods. That's what I'm doing, so I don't really have a problem with that, Jeff. Neither do I. <laughs> I'm a, I, I you don't see, you see, you don't realize that you're talking to somebody who's already cryogenically frozen and woken up. Well, there you go. See, I think that it'll, it'll work when I do it. Yeah. But honestly, I'm, I'm just yeah. looking out from the standpoint that it's sad whenever my fellow Americans want to use the government to um, steal from me and to um, isolate me, not allowing me to have my self-governing rights, when they think it's okay to just, you know, use the government as a weapon and steal from us and do what they want to do. It's ridiculous. Well, you, you know, you know, I attended a town hall the other week, and the promise and. Um, ideology of the left is very, very seduce, uh, seductive because they don't give details yeah, about how... It's not just the left, remember? It's some of our elite Republicans, too. <laughs> that, too. Sure. The, the Republicans are all for 
freedom, liberty, um, but they still want to spend money on wars overseas. And the money that they spend here really doesn't go into the programs that they promise. They break their campaign promises as well. So, yeah, you're right, John. That's why I keep but saying Joe, Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, John, the, yeah. The money, the money issue is nothing but a false flag operation because the IRS is just a data mining process. The Obamacare is just a data mining process. Gun control permits and regulations is just a data mining process. Driver's license, you going to get your picture taken and all that stuff is just a data mine control and manipulate and be able to play games. The the money stuff is nothing but take um, ex- exploiting your greed and your mean because we don't need their money. They don't need our money. They have access to Federal Reserve. They could print it if they want to, but they don't even need that because they have so much control of the, um, the essential um, metals and essential what is that chart? You know, they have so much control of these multinational corporations yeah, that the control all this stuff. stuff. They yeah. can create it and yeah. do it without money. They just use the money and the IRS and all these different things to control the rest of us so we don't get in their way for them to do what they want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Why do you get somebody like that for Christmas? They want total control, and they're going to use the various agencies of different countries in order to make sure that they know where you're spending your money, how you're spending it, with whom are you affiliating with, what do you do in your free time, and they can track you through social media, they can track you through your uh, cash, through your uh, credit cards, debit cards, and they can track you with oh. your, uh, you know, your government affiliations, and it's all. It, 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 for well, well, one question I got for both you guys is, what's the end game for that? By depopulating the world, they have fewer people to con- that will rise up against them when they want to become gods. If you only have a population of 500,000, which has been published as the number, and the um, research scientists and the people in the universities have come up with the final solution so that they can actually merge AI with silicon with your brain and consciousness, when that can be done, when they um, who will become the guinea pigs will no longer die, therefore the Rothschilds, the um, uh, Warburgs, Rockefellers, can actually merge their aged bodies with silicon to become um, a metal god, live forever, be immortal, and then find, of course, a way to perhaps reverse the aging process. That's their end game. They don't want to die. The bioports are already here. Paraplegic people that have no function of their bodies have already been experimented in some of the deep research people within our military and the, um, I don't remember, DARPA or DARPA and all those kind of groups right there, but I've seen some of the video. And these people were actually using their mind to manipulate a computer that manipulated a robot in order to serve them. And it was in the reality of people, I mean, physical reality it was on video mm-hmm. sure so so basically hey, they're using their minds to create to control a robot in this particular hey, video yes hey, hey, Joe. they couldn't function physically so they had to they were doing it to let have that robot serve them the way they wanted to be served and the Air Force is performing experiments whereby the pilots can control the planes just by their minds 
Well, how is that a bad thing for somebody who's paraplegic to be able to control a robot to be able to use? Uh, it, it's not bad them. at that point. The point comes in when you realize that the people that are controlling the chips actually now control you, and you no longer have sovereign control of that chip and what's going on. Yeah, I hope you're playing I, I, devil's I, advocate, Bob. Because if not, then you got to place yourself into the into the mind of a psychopath who has billions, if not trillions, of dollars at his disposal. He doesn't want to die because if he's dead, he's sure. no longer. You know, he's no longer. <laughs> I'm going to be sounding very funny now. If he's dead, he's no longer alive, does he? <laughs> so if he's no longer alive, he can't right. enjoy what he what his psychopathic passions have created for him. So. He's allowing universities, he's allowing DARPA, he's allowing all types of um, research scientists around the world to, to work out in the open to do medical science and progress. But then at the right time, they'll just take it over. Well, it's nice of you guys, Dr. Frankenstein, to have created this robot and created this mind control and created virtual reality. And of course, Everybody in the middle class thinks that they can have a portion of this, but sorry, guys. You snooze, you lose. I've got the trillions. I funded the research. This shit belongs to me. And now it's time for the biological warfare to begin. Bye-bye. But, Joe, yeah. i got a question for you. Mm-hmm. If they're merging their bodies with silicone, won't they just end up with big boobs? And well, a lot of dang it. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Kelly. Was that a When you started saying Bob? that, I wanted to interject and say that. I was saying the same damn thing. Man, we're all going to end up oh. with big boobs. Well, I sure hope so. Oh, boy. Well, I prefer small boobs myself, so, uh, you know, they can be. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, maybe yeah. that might fill in the bra here. I'm a B-man. I'm a B-man myself. So. <laughs> so so they could end up with, with big boobs, or they could end up being big boobs. Big boobs. <laughs> I I well, I tell you what, uh, folks, unfortunately, um, it's actually about that time to take uh, uh, closing comments, and so each person's got about eh, 20, 30 seconds before I have to close things out. So we'll let ladies go first. And we'll um, uh, do with yourself, uh, <laughs> that, and then we'll do you, uh, Joe, and then John, and then okay. Kelly, and then I'll close things out. You just got about, you said you had 20 seconds for us to uh, close things out. So it's definitely an enjoyable conversation. We've got a couple different topics in here, and then uh, we'll see everybody uh, uh, next week. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in you, Suzette. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, I did find what was up with the um, California, and since California is a topic of this evening, and what happens with the Trump ballot thing. And so apparently um, Governor Brown had come up before, and he vetoed it, and he gave a good reason. He said, although tax returns are by law confidential, many presidential candidates have voluntarily released them. This bill is in response to President Trump's refusal to release his returns during the last election. <clears throat> well, I recognize the political attractiveness, even the merits of getting President Trump's tax returns. I worry about the political perils of individual states seeking to re- regulate presidential elections in this manner. First, it may not be constitutional. Second, it's a slippery slope precedent. Today, we require tax returns, but what 
what would be next, five years of health records. So apparently, um, as we go further down, it talks about it being in Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution and what it states for qualifications to hold office of president. So it is unconstitutional what California did, and so President Trump will not have to worry about it. And that's it. Thank you, Robert. Well, well thank you very much, and uh, go ahead, Joe. All right, everybody knows about the dangers of what government poses to us as Americans. So we have no privacy. So my parting words are, everybody, just be very, very safe out there, okay? And I'm finished. Well, thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Uh, John? Yeah, Suzette, it's also a a violation of uh, Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search and seizure. It's an undue influence, a conflict of interest, and an antitrust issue. Everybody call your congressman and say expunge and all rescind, completely eliminate personal income taxes, personal property taxes, and then place in in, uh, the ability for every legal American to have line-item veto power on every bill, past, present, and future. Thank you. See you all next week. Uh, Thank you, John. Go ahead, Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out. Um, yeah, I just I like Joe, Joe's kind kind words closing of being safe. Um, I do have to correct something I did mention. I thought it was 20 uh, Democratic candidates who did campaign. Um, what I heard was they were planning to campaign, and so <laughs> I couldn't find and verify. So that's a little error on my part. I won't be surprised if it does go to 20 though. A little error on my part. I I heard something and. Uh, but yeah, we found two Cory Booker and uh, Beto O'Rourke. So I gotta, you know, just just a little retraction there. So, but twenty planning, I would be interesting to if 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 I could find that source. So anyway, um, always good talking with everybody and uh, emulating Joe's word there. Be safe, be kind, look up. <laughs> All right, good night, folks. Good night, all. Okay. Well, good night, all. Thank you very much. And I'll close out uh, with our normal song. And you can hear more per, uh, music by going to www.allbreeashford.com. And she does art now. And I actually looked up a piece of her art and for one painting of $2,700, which right now is certainly out of my budget. But anyway, folks, <laughs> have a good week. And thank you. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh,